Welcome Wednesday, friends. We are here again for another Vibrant, this time with my great friend, the one and only DJ Mike Winner. What up? Raise the roof. What's up, dude? So if you guys somehow don't know Mike, he is the co-host of the absolutely legendary Alpha Cast and working with Bear Lando on Alpha Vedic, an incredible supplement and like, you know, new world age of Aquarius style nutrition supplement company. Amazing stuff. So what's new, Mike? Oh man, dude, love and life's just, God, I love summers here, Chance. In the river every day, in the garden, kids are back from summer camp. So yeah, man, couldn't be happier, dude. I'm, I'm quite blessed. I, I have an amazing life. <laughs> so I did, I just took the jump, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago to be my own boss and do my own stuff and not have a job. And it's paid massive dividends now. Yeah. If you're like me, you work harder now that you don't have a job than when you had a job, right? (laughs) I know, dude. But it's fun. It's like funning. It's not like a working slave style. I was talking to my kids today about retirement and how like that's uh, that's a myth because I and and Bear shout out to Bear Lando, you know that dude just crushes on the daily, and he always reiterates like he's got friends that are quote unquote retired, and they're just like waiting waiting for the coffin, and it's like that's not what life's about, right? Life is the hero's journey, and about um, finding out what's around the bend every day, and if you can do that and bring in a ton of abundance, and and at the same time, that allows you to have a lot more experience using this stuff called money right now that they make us use. Why not? So yeah, it's, uh, you're right though. It's <laughs> busier than ever, but a good busy, a really good busy. Right on. Hey, everybody in the chat, it's good to see you all. A lot of great new faces and classic gangsters. Do us a favor and share this out wherever you might feel Someone would like what we're going to be talking about today, which is music and sky, (laughs) truth, love and freedom. As you see on Mike's shirt, music and sky is a festival we're going to be at. We'll get to that. Uh, I got to get you one of these shirts, dude. Absolutely. dude. Yeah. (laughs) So on the subject of what you're just talking about, I saw my parents tonight and my dad was just giving me all this like you're not paying into Social Security. You're going to how are you ever going to retire? Wow. (laughs) I know. I know. It's a, uh, it's hard. You know, there's like with that whole TV watching news believer type of mindset, not saying my dad isn't as bad off as some TV watching news believers, but you notice this trend of like, and maybe it's a boomer thing. Love you boomers. You're not all like this, but in terms of love, there's a boomer, there's a boomer. Exactly. Exactly. Some stereotypes are accurate but nothing's a blanket statement but he'll be the first to stereotype boomers by the way he does not <laughs> back down on that he if they they piss him off because he sees like they went from the hippie 60s freedom generation to essentially completely a lot of them selling out to the, the fake dream right the fake materialistic dream of 401k and retirement and all that so yeah it's uh my dad is a great example of somebody who is on, he's friends with bear. He lives here with my mom and, and him. And he was the one telling me, you know, when I was a teenager, like, don't listen to the news, you know, like do what you want to do because that's all, it's all a uh, smoke screen. So thank God, dad. I know you'll never watch this, but thank you for being a badass. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I've still never quite got the hang of the strategy of when, the the that generation seems like a lot of them 
everything out of their mouth is like danger. This that's scary. This is how you could get hurt doing that. You're not going to have enough money. And it's, they really, really drilled in that whole lack fear mentality. And they don't, I'm, I'm generalizing a lot, but when someone's like that, they don't even see they're doing it. It's either complaint or, or warning or danger. And I'm over here being as careful as I can with my words, <laughs> you know, trying to turn every difficult feeling into a verb instead of a possession. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then other, other people are just on a whole different linguistic program. Well, the language is obviously extremely important and also emotions and I'm having one thing that I've been really stressing a lot of late to myself, community, family is like having compassion for these people. You know, we throw around the word normie a lot, which I, you know, I don't like to use cause it's demeaning and it's kind of like, not as bad you know, as NPC. That's a bad one. NPC. Dude, I'm, I don't know. Like the, I, we had a conversation on the telegram, I think last week bringing up that. And I personally don't believe that there can be an NPC uh, if you incarnate on this, in this realm. So now I'm not saying there isn't technology now, the AI kind of stuff. And who knows, maybe Biden, um, who I, I take this term from a dark journalist, calls him Stepford Biden, um, you know, is some sort of, um, you know, new technology, technological construct in a, some sort of, you know, uh, grown bodysuit or something. I'm not putting that past their technology. Um, but in terms of like the classical NPC idea that somehow there's like these empty shells, these, sol- these soulless bodies walking around. Um, for me, it, uh, just looking at how the laws, the natural laws work and like, you know, how nature works. Um, that's not possible. So I think it's just a way for us to, dem- to justify um, our own ego. And I say us, cause we all, we all fall for it because if we see somebody acting in a way that is annoying or like, Oh God, I wish they would just wake up. Right. Like, Oh, that's just probably an NPC. And that's our own stuff. We got to work out instead of casting stones at that person as an NPC, maybe think, well, why is that person triggering you? What's so what are they doing? That's, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe they're injecting their kids with, with the terrible poison. I understand that. That's like, I can, I, I get it, but um, everybody has a, a contract they've signed coming in here and has a role to play. And so let's not demean them by calling them an NPC. Uh, and I know that's not popular to say these days, uh, chance. I'm probably going to get some shit for that, but. No, nah, not from this tribe. They get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's totally uh, just the same as like, calling another skin color subhuman or something. Mm-hmm. It's just that is it based on like ideology or beliefs, which is not that far away from any other form of zealotism. And back to my dad, I got to just put out there that like everybody, we're all developed in some areas more than others. And there's a lot of ways my dad's developed in directions. I never did that are helpful, good directions and grateful for all the support and like the base of my life that he built for me as uh growing up and even all the different ways he helps me out still to this day. So, you know, as frustrating, frustrating as it is when sometimes people aren't getting it on levels that we would love to see them get it on, because obviously when you like realize the fear for what it is, the number one primary root of all illusion, it's so freeing and it feels, you just feel good all the time. And yeah, you know, we want that for everybody. Well, I also think 
you know, the boomers uh, are have been victimized uh, or at least uh, they saw what happened to their generation of all this. Because the, the 60s generation, they were what we are trying to encapsulate and redo right now with stuff like Music and Sky. They are the they're the motivation. They are like what we look to as far as that generation that actually bucked the trends and took huge risk and went out there and on a limb for, you know, showing that, hey, we can. Um, we can take on the system. And of course they had the might of the deep state and all this stuff against them. And I think a lot of them were co-opted and controlled by really nefarious means. And they probably, your dad knows people that went into bankruptcy and were really hurt by maybe um, not being super responsible with their money and stuff because they didn't believe in money, let's say. Right. So there is a pragmatic, like super practical approach that I think boomers have because they saw their, their, a lot of their generation get wrecked. Right. And um, I will say that I've said this a lot is that we do have the internet now. And I think the internet's giving us a big leg up now, a big leg up over their generation because it's allowing us to have a connection like we've never had before, at least in our current, you know, idea of what the history of mankind is in the realm. And it's allowing us to um, uh, really kind of find each other in ways to have uh, communication and community and awareness, unlike they had in the 60s where they didn't have that. You know, they had they had their communities and their like the back to the land movement and stuff where they were they got isolated and then they were able to get picked off like group by group by group. And and um, we're very fortunate because we now have, um, you know, some very innovative things that are helping us. So shout out to that generation though. I always give them love and dude, I'm a huge fan of classic rock. Like I've talked about how much I love, I grew up loving Jim Morrison and the doors, even though they were probably a huge part of the control system. Um, you know, with the whole Laurel Canyon stuff and everything that went down with that. And, you know, of course all the, the 27 year old club and all that, but I, it's fascinating to see what happened in their generation. And I totally get what your where your dad's coming from because my mom's the same way. She gets very concerned with, uh, you know, not going about going by the traditional sort of protocols of what deems one to be successful in life, <laughs> according to what they say. Here's uh Stepford Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. This is incredible. Everybody tuning in, I'll drop the link in the chat in a second or check the description of the episode. And there is a telegram group where we have a call in availability for vibrant. So you can put memes like this choice memes that are exactly like what we were just talking about or a voicemail, uh, you know, put a question in there. Anything goes That's great. You know, if it fits where we're heading in the show, then I will put it up or play it. I'll do my best. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shopping for the latest adrenochrome flakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's even like uh, the product in the background, sunlight. Uh, I know, right? That's classic. They're just like letting you know where the what the cult revolves around. But, uh, you know, maybe to round out that thought about the boomers, they did instill the idea of like a strong work ethic. It's just that we figured out that that, and some of them did too, but we figured out that that work ethic could be applied to things that serve humanity more than yeah. the, well, the, the matrix, if you will. The great generation before them, right? The World War II great generation. They were the ones that were like hard work and, um, you know, uh, salt of the earth folks. And, you know, they, they're called the great generation that went often fought wars and died and, you know, thousands of thousands of people died for what, right. Um, 
So it's, it's funny how they market these generations too, and how we have them believing in certain aspects because they get this collectivist idea of who we are generation by generation. I mean, I don't know if you're a millennial. I think you are. Uh, and I'm sorry that you are. But 33, a millennial. Yeah, you're you're so millennial. Um, <laughs> but like because I'm I'm a last like year of X Jenner, believe it or not. So I am X generation, the yuppies. Right. Like you had way better raves. We oh, dude, we had we had real uh, underground raves and we also had life without before cell phones. <laughs> so it's like I grew up. In, and we even went to college. I, I've talked about this in a bunch of shows like 90s lifestyle where you had mystery still in your life because you had to actually go talk to people to find out what was going on. Like raves you used to. I think we talked about this on Interverse a little bit when I was on. But like I remember going to raves where you didn't know like it was kind of scary because you had no idea like what you were getting into. <laughs> like literally it was the 902 and O show where you had to go get an egg and bring it to a guy in a dark, dark alleyway. And then they would give you a number. You'd call the number and it'd be an answering machine. The answering machine would tell you to go to this like corner store at 11 o'clock at night. And then they'd have a flyer behind a trash can. And then that would give you coordinates. And then you'd be at some mountain party with like, you know, 500 ravers um, doing whippets and God knows what. But uh but you know, not that it was that rosy to be honest, you know, it was cool. Cause it was like super counterculture and very much bucking, bucking the mainstream, but the consciousness wasn't there. Like it is now dude. Consciousness is like at these kind of events and we'll get into music and sky is, is way next level now versus when I was going to nineties raves. Gordy says we had punk clubs with vomit on the floor. So you didn't want to trip while you were moshing. Dude. <laughs> I love Gordy. You're the, you're the bomb. I feel like I know you guys so well, like uh, Mario, Gordy, Gabriel. Cause I watch you guys all the time. I feel like you're brothers and I don't even see that's the internet. That's the internet. Like we've never even hung out, but I was a punk rocker. I grew up as a punk rock OC kid every Friday and Saturday night. We go to punk shows in LA and orange County and stuff. And I love the mosh pit. Uh, I was definitely like the skinny kid with the bony using my bony elbows with my baby arms I got, I've got the baby arms. Um, but, uh, uh do dude, some curls, bro. I know. I know. It's funny, dude. I, um, I've actually was call, called out for my baby arms once on a, on a, uh, when in a virus debate with an admin for the ice age farmer discord, the dude got all mad and called me baby arms and then kicked me out. So <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I couldn't argue against uh, the uh, virus isolation issue, but I have baby arms. So, Hey, I was born skinny, man. If um, that's the criteria to get kicked out, I guess it is what it is. <laughs> but yeah, dude, uh, um, punk, punk. It was funny because the punk aesthetic and the rave aesthetic were actually some very similar back in the nineties. You know, um, it was before EDM and all the whole corporatization of dance music and electronic dance music and all that. But um, yeah, man, uh, music and sky is definitely um, kind of the next iteration of this sort of i hate to say consciousness festival because that even now has like a certain certain like idea of what it is uh, and and then you what do we call it because you call it a sovereignty festival then i guess you're not soul family gathering that's well, what the soul family says. gathering that's what we're calling it um so yeah it's really next level in that it's um I know everybody there just gets it, man. It's not like your typical kind of burner vibe where people are, and there's nothing wrong with that. I love 
Burning Man and all that, even though a lot of it went left and a lot of it went jabby and unfortunately isn't really with the original intent of Burning Man. But I mean, that's why we created Music at Sky because it's a lot of ex-burners. Um, but basically it's people that just get get sovereignty, you know, and that sovereignty is a heavy word these days, I guess, because there's like, I don't know, some people saying you, you know, you're not sovereign because sovereign means that you're still under something like, you know, your sovereign um, essentially means that, you know, a king is the sovereign, right? You're ruling over people or you're being ruled over. Uh, but if you look at the, for me, you look at the etymology, it just means that you are the master of your own domain. It goes back to the French word souverain. And then it, uh, the Latin, I haven't looked at this in a while, but then there's the, the, um, yeah, let's check it out. Webster's 1828 dictionary. This is my go-to. There you really go. Know what the word means. I, I know it's something to do with super anus. <laughs> I know it's like the vulgar Latin, um, the magic is in the butt. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, uh, uh soup. I, I don't think you pronounce it that way. It's super anus. Um, but it is interesting that, um, it does, if you look at the original Latin, a vulgar Latin, at the etymology, and I think it's an Indo-European, it's where it came from, actually. And then the French, where, what are we looking at here? So, souverain. Yeah, the um, true spelling would be souverain. Souverain, yes. Souverain, <laughs> from the Latin supernes, superus. But, you know, I get why some people take umbrage with the word, but words in the living language evolve their meaning over time. And we all know what we mean when we say sovereign. We don't really mean supreme, superior to all others or chief, as in we're not trying to rule anybody. But exactly. we do mean, <laughs> you know, we're not the sovereign ruler of the universe, but the sovereign ruler of the universe being nature. We are that. So, you know, if we are all that, then we are all sovereign. I'm cool with that. Well. Greg, um, uh, Greg from the Law for Mankind course, The Sovereign's Way, he has an interesting point saying he calls it the sovereign's way because the sovereign is the creator. And we are all, you know, so it's like, what is your perspective on that? If you take a Christian slant, then obviously you're not sovereign because you are the son of, you know, you, you are um, God is, is the creator and we're, we're humans that are his creation. But if you take a more sort of maybe hermetic approach or something or, you know, like the law of one or something. Well, we're all part of God. So we all are sovereign because we are the creator. We are the creator experiencing it's herself itself, whatever. So that that's kind of the more perspective I take. And that's why I use the word um, sovereigns because for me, it's just, yeah, like the master of your own domain. Right. right? And so, we, we definitely, at least in the domain of our body, you know, no question about the fact that we have bodily sovereignty and the ether that composes your body is not just connected to or not separate from the universal ether. It is the whole universal ether. <laughs> you yeah. can't separate this ether over here from that ether over there. It wouldn't work as a pleuromic medium if you could. So in a way, you are kind of the supreme ruler of the universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's pretty The it's universe, pretty capital U. When you, when you know thyself, when you know yourself, you realize this, that you know everybody else around you. That's the whole point, right? It's like we're all one. So, yeah. So, anyways, I used to call it like a sovereignty, you know, like sovereignty festival. or But now we just call it, yes, we're calling basically just a, 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 the soul family tribe, you know, gathering or whatever. And it's just awesome people who love Alpha Vedic and are into... I'm sure a lot of people watch Interverse and they crow triple seven and like a lot of the podcasts we like that they get it. They, a lot of realm folk, a lot of folk that aren't our globe 
skeptics, but also not like it's not any, it's the only thing that connects everyone that comes to music in sky is that we have a respect for freedom and the individual and, and the individual's ability to, to be creative and, and do what they want to do. And, and out of respect and love of their brothers and sisters, it's very simple. Um, so it's a very diverse, very, very diverse crowd that comes like, what I'm very, what I love about music in sky, unlike your kind of classic, you know, let's say lightning and ball or something fun, fun, fun festival used to go to it. Um, back in the day, uh, like literally the age group is from, I, I think our, our 4th July event, we had, uh, uh, I don't know, two month old to some people in their eighties were there. So, and they're all grooving, getting in the ice bath, doing yoga, listen to, David Avocado Wolf go crazy about the, you know, uh, flat earth. And um, what else he did? A, he, David Avocado Wolf did like a two hour lecture as that one of the keynote speakers <laughs> last year in front of all these families about Aramon. <laughs> Dude, it got like pretty deep. I'm like, so yeah, it's a fun, it's just a totally different type of festival, like very unique and different. And I, I'm stoked you're going to be there, Chance. I, I can't wait for you to experience it this year. Yeah, dude, uh, the whole vibe of camping festivals totally changed my life, upgraded me in so many ways. Like I used that as a surrogate rite of passage in a culture that has no such thing <laughs> for becoming an adult. And that might sound silly because festivals are kind of a party. But the first one I ever went to was like a life or death survival experience. <laughs> so and it taught me that, like, wow, if I can, if this can be what's going on and I can still, still with the power of my mind, choose that I'm going to have a good time. That means that I can do that anywhere, anyhow. And yep. it was a huge life changer. So let's talk about some of the speakers, man. I'll come up here, pop this cool. up. We maybe go through these people. This is exciting. Yeah. And also just, just to give people a little bit of framework on the history of music in sky. Oh, um, sure. Let's start there. Yeah. So so it's, it's, it's interesting. So I, I come from a background of, you know, being a DJ for 20 years, doing raves and doing all events and stuff. And uh, my partners uh, as well, we're all LA based and we're doing, um, we're annual, you know, Burning Man attendees. And we would, they would do a decompression event every year called Music in Sky. And so, and how, how, how amazing is music, the idea of music in sky? Like these are two fundamental aspects of our reality that connect us all music, of course, sound going back to the ether, going back to resonance, going back to celebration art. That's what all, that's what the music represents. It represents the art creativity, uh, our connection through uh, our ability to be creative souls and all that. And then you have sky, the sky clock, the cosmology, spirituality, the great, the grand scope of things, right? Like what is the reality? Um, where can we go from here? It's kind of the future. It's the past. It's the all pervasive uh, oneness. So we have the individual, which is the music it's on the dance floor, your self expression, expressing your creative flow, whether you're an artist or musician or whatnot. And then you have the sky, which is the collectiveness. It's all of us together under the sky, under the cosmology that so music and sky, it, it actually is a pretty deep, um, uh, deep uh, title or deep name for a festival when you start to really break it down. So they were doing this and then 2020 hit the grand coronation of the great reset, right? <laughs> Kicked in um, with the crown fun. And um, in being in California, uh, you know, gruesome Newsome and uh, 
uh, there, all the different uh, lovely uh, controllers said uh, we're not allowed to do these kind of events. We are all locked down and um, not allowed to meet and had to stay six feet apart and wear a mask and get your temperature checked and blah, blah, blah. And so um, we were like, whoa, we do an annual uh, decompression thing and, and a mini festival. And what are we going to do? And everybody was stopping. All the festivals stopped. You probably remember this chance. Like in 2020, every the festival scene died. Nobody oh, what had- they did was they're like, oh, we are rescheduling for next year. Yeah. But that's but we're not giving a refund. And I'm over here mm-hmm. like that isn't rescheduling. That's canceling. And the festival is just happening next year. Exactly. So this isn't, you can't have a 2020 festival in 2021. That's a 2021 <laughs> festival. <laughs> well, some even just like postponed it for three, four months. Some of the smaller like base festivals and stuff. And then they just like three months came by pretty quickly. And they're like, ah, we're going to do another three months or we'll wait till next year now. But you're right. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty funny how they were just, um, how, you know, People basically, as you know, in the festival scene and the way the, the underground dance music uh, is too, it had crystallized into a sort of corporate sphere, a corporate kind of very much an industry, right? Like there was by the t- by 2020, there was a festival in California and the West Coast festival scene every weekend from spring through fall. I mean, it was saturated and it had become big business and it had a lot of these acts like, I don't know. I mean, name them like Bass Nectar or um, all the bass acts or like Desert Dwellers. Dude, have you ever noticed that Bass Nectar's logo is the same as a book about mind control (laughs) from the 60s? Very interesting. Yeah, I used to do breakdowns about like certain festival acts and production companies and like their symbolism and things I've experienced at their events and so it's, it's just like the it's just like the 60s movement. Uh, these dude, cultural directions are, you know, insomniac, counter- insomniac. insomniac, dude. I went to the first few like as a kid went to I went to the first electric daisy carnival out in the middle of the desert. Like dude, when I was, I don't know, 18 or something. Um, and uh, I knew Pasquale somewhat. Uh, in those scenes. And he was, you know, he was a kind of shady promoter guy. And so fast forward to the corporatization of, of their company. And literally we were doing, um, we were doing like a somewhat conscious festival launching a crypto in 2018 called outside an equinox. And they, we were independent. We weren't going to work with any agents. We were booking some pretty dope acts. It's still, the website's actually still up. If you go to outsideinequinox.com, we did it at the place where they started lightning in a bottle and where they do lucidity. Uh, myself and my good buddy Xander, who goes by Traveler. Some people might know him. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, we put on this like independent festival and they're like, yep, there it is. They're like, uh, no, no, no. Uh, this was in 2018. And we're, this is where I launched Karma Ship, which was a, what is now Cordal, essentially. Um, and dude, you'll like the lineup, dude. We got some, we had, I know you're kind of a base head, right? We had some good, some good acts. Uh, if you keep scrolling down there, yeah. Um. Oh yeah, random rap. Hey, I love Haywire. Yeah, <laughs> that dude's awesome. Funk sober, hunters. Sober Rob. Um. Uh. Justin J. Crusted on the house scene. Twenty Nine Palms was um. Uh. Ooh and uh. uh what's their names? They're a big act, but that was like their new kind of slower house act. Uh, yeah, great lineup for an independent. So this was like an independent festival. So what does Insomniac do? They decide to last minute book a side trance kind of weird festival at the same weekend at where they, where desert hearts was doing their stuff to try to like ruin us. 
And um, then they canceled three days before and just like really dark energy and really weird stuff. And um, that was the scene that was had turned supposedly this consciousness music festival scene had gone really dark. And there was a lot of stories of, 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 of women having bad experiences and, you know, sexual stuff happening with certain promoters and DJs. And it was just real, the scene got really dark. So in a way, the coronation of 2020 was kind of a cleansing, you know, it was, it kind was of and especially like after all this, the Pluto antics that were going on, there was, I'm pretty sure it was sky clock related. There is this streak of time where like left and right, different artists and, and companies were getting outed for their misconduct in the, in the bass oh, music yeah. community. Oh Yeah. I remember some of that drama and I, I try to stay out of that stuff, but it was, it was, you know, a lot of drug, really bad drug use, you know, and, and ketamine was just out of control. And so anyways, um, what we saw this as a, uh, as a grand opportunity, like kind of like, wow, um, you know, uh, karma has, has really kind of dropped for us and allowing us to step in and, and actually create a new model for really what a festival should be. And because of my background with Alpha Vedic and understanding germ theory, you know, the nonsense of germ theory and how like viruses are, are, are never been isolated and all this stuff. I, we had no fear of, of, you know, people coming to an event and, and coming down with something. So we decided we're like, Oh, this is perfect. Like everybody's hungry to come to a gathering. Let's just do one. Let's do an underground. Let's go back to our roots. Like let's literally do an underground festival but do it in a totally new conscious way so that's what music and sky became we did it in joshua tree 2020 uh fall 2020 uh i think october 3rd that year at uh garth's boulder gardens which is an amazing venue which we will return to eventually it's a square mile of like of of um in the desert and outside of joshua tree of just boulders and sand and it's just this old hippie dude that bought it in the back to the land movement and he was like i don't care what 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 the government says you can come do your events so um, it was amazing because uh, we did try to work with some of these bigger acts. You know, we were like, hey, let's get some dope acts. And they were all like, uh, what's your protocol? Uh, are you going to be doing temperature checks at the doors? Are you going to be doing six feet? Um, you know, are the lines, everybody going to be placed six feet apart in the vending lines and the food lines? And we're like, no, we're not doing anything. We're just going to do a normal thing. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So we couldn't get any of these acts, any of them. And now you know them, you didn't want them anyway. Exactly. So what do we do? We just, we just did it ourselves. We're like, we're all good DJs and we can, we had some friends. And so then the focus wasn't so much anymore on the music because we knew we could handle the music. The focus was on community and, and around awake people that are seeing through the BS and then around the content that we can, that, you know, bring in terms of talks, workshops, all that, which a lot of festivals do, but we want to go like way more intentional. And also it's very sober. It's a very sober festival because everyone's just basically high on, on meditation and on, you know, just hugs and air. yoga and air. <laughs> yeah. The ether. Well, so to riff on the, to riff on the thing with the art, big artists, that is, and their whole like, you know, kowtowing to the woke culture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they aren't just like bowing to it. They are co-creating it by doing that stuff. And the other thing is, I believe part of the issue with and and how like just definitely entangled with the whole corporatization of the quote unquote underground music scene is that, you know, really we're we've been putting these DJs and even bands and 
famous people on a pedestal with a very low level of awareness of how that pedestal was even erected. That pedestal was erected with like advertising and marketing and them knowing the right people. And a lot of times that knowing the right people is no different than how you don't get anywhere in Hollywood unless you butter the right biscuits. Exactly. <laughs> if you catch my drift. And I think it's very much the same in the music in- industry, even what is considered or like marketed as counterculture, just like you see totally mainstream Pepsi drinking, you know, woke comedians talk like, you know, marketing themselves as having been being censored. I'm censored. That means I'm edgy. It's the same thing. Pro- yeah. You know, productive, produced, faked, manufactured counterculture. And what you're talking about is the real culture, which is you and your friends. <laughs> yeah. we, we can do it and we don't need a pedestal. We don't need a, like fame about it. You know, do you want to get on stage and, and play? Well, talk to us, you know, let's show us that you can do it, I guess. But it's not really about the whole, all I, there's, that's the thing about this, <laughs> the occult aspect of these big events, especially in the vein of the insomniacs and the bass nectars is that there's a very real funneling of energy, spiritual currency that is going from, especially a crowd of a bunch of people with their chakras blasted open on God knows what substances all focusing their intention and their worship, like bass nectar call themselves the king of the sound. <laughs> yeah. And there is definitely something going on there, you know, like uh, having done some psychedelics in my day and been to some big events in my day. This is anecdotal, not provable, but I have seen like portals created to siphon off the energy of the crowd and very weird troubling stuff. And that's what led me away from doing that type of thing is that unlike a lot of people as I was going, I'm not saying everybody's this way, but I wasn't there doing a substance fully recreationally. To me, it was like, there's a place that was a safe container to do it where I wasn't like going to have to worry about (laughs) and like showing up to work on time the next day and things like that. But for me, it was a spiritual experience. I was trying to like, you know, figure out what the reality was and explore other domains of consciousness states. And I saw some stuff going on, you know, like real dark occult sorcery shit. And I'll leave it at that. But I've talked about it before. We saw it in Houston not too long ago. And, uh, you know, that was that with that event. And, um, I, I know a, a couple, and which I don't want to call, which event is that, you know, the one, I'm, uh, what's it called world uh, I I've kind of even blocked oh, it out Astro of my mind. world, the yeah. Travis Scott thing, the Travis, the Travis Scott tree. Thing. Yeah. I mean, that thing was really kind of almost at the point now where it's so mainstream with the occult stuff that it was almost making fun of itself. It was like, so out there and, and open about what it was doing with literally a portal behind him and all the imagery. I mean, I'm sure you guys covered that ad nauseum when it happened. Um, but there was definitely, um, I noticed that even back in the nineties rave days, like when you'd go into some of the like happy hard house rooms or even the jungle rooms and stuff, sometimes the energy was really dark, like channeling, um, egregores or demons or something, you know, with everybody on really bad drugs too, back then. And And it uh, connects. It's not (laughs) another reason why this makes sense to me is that it goes back way further than just electronic music or the modern age or hippie. Uh, Woodstock type shit. The powers that were have always established their control and and uh, energetic siphoning and 
acquiescence and obedience of the masses through events like this. I mean, whether it was called Saturnalia or Astro World, yep. <laughs> this is an old, old trick. Bread and circuses, uh, except the bread is laced with ergot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm thinking of like the Roman gladiator Nero time, right? It's like, I mean, that's what sports is. That's what, uh, I mean, that's what's weird about living in the United States is because we've been so inundated with, with corporate entertainment for so long because that's like the American way. And, and I've completely abandoned, abandoned it at all. I used to be a big time sports fanatic. Not that there's anything wrong with sport. Uh, Bear and I are big fans of athletics, but professional sporting events, even college, collegiate, it's all been corporatized. It's all a, a distraction and abstraction. It's all mafia run. You can tell if you just run the gematria. <laughs> you can. Oh, I know. There, you know, there are people like my friend Derek, the gematronator, who can, if he wanted to, he could probably he could predict who was going to win things, and he doesn't do that because he doesn't believe in using those abilities mm-hmm. for like gambling and shit. But it's real. Yeah. Yeah, the Super Bowl is like when the most, yeah, I mean, it's dark, dark, dark stuff. But so anyways, we we were aware of all that and um, we're over it already. And it was like, wow, well, we have a chance because it's kind of ironically because of the wokeism and fear of cancel culture and everything. There's no way these artists are going to step out and, and come to an event like ours. Uh, because of cancel culture and like their whole, you know, career will be ruined and et cetera. And also there was a legitimate fear by a lot of these that they would get sick or something. So it was like, okay, well, um, we're going to just step out on our own and, and do it and, um, show the show, you know, what, what's possible, uh, when you, uh, have a community come together based around truth, love and freedom. And uh, it was an amazing, amazing event. We opened up a vortex of beautiful, like a harmonic energetics. Uh, we were, you know, uh, a lot of times people roll their eyes around the whole like 5D concept, but literally we were like vibrating on a higher octave because by the second or third day, I think we talked about this when I was on Interverse with you, but we're like psychic connection with uh, the people putting the event on with me, like where I wouldn't have to get on the radio. I was just need them and they'd be there. We were like in this space where, and we do these events off grid, you know, nobody's on their phone. Um, you don't really, you're not supposed to be on your phone. So everybody's really in tune. And we kind of like go back to our natural way of what we are and who we are. And it's amazing because you realize like, wow, we are, when we get connected just a little bit in a space for three or four days camping and in, in together out in the middle of nowhere, uh, based around this type of intentionality and this type of um, focus, mag- like the stuff that we pull off is was just groundbreaking. Like we just, it was amazing. So um, that's where Music and Sky kind of stemmed from. And uh, yeah, it's just been phenomenal. Like uh, this, the subject matter we talk about is stuff like German Germanic new medicine. And like we go into stuff like the law, like the real law and trust law, you know, and, and the law versus legal. Uh, we, we touch on, uh, you know, a lot of, um, things around health and wellness, but also, uh, a big focus is on creativity and, and, um, essentially inspiring people to find their path and who they are. So it's very pragmatic too. You come to learn skills. Uh, last year we had a guy doing fire starting workshops with a bow drill. You know, you learn how to make fire, uh, uh all sorts of this year. Um, I'm hoping dude, and maybe you can help me a little bit with this because, um, and I, I don't want to put them on blast here, but. Uh, I love him to death. Um, we're trying to get Mitch to come out to do uh, Organite workshop. My You're the Sam's. second person trying to 
get a hold of Mitch through me today. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, I'm not, not trying I'm, to get a hold, kidding, of him, but... a hold of him because I, I, I talk with him all the time, but um, I'm just trying oh, to. Oh, yeah, he's been on Alpha Vedic. Okay, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, we're connected, and our, our community has been a huge supporter of him. I've, like, sold him out with all of his stuff. Here's a Mitch nice. piece right here. Nice. So I know you guys are homies. So um, anyways, uh, my buddy, Sam, uh, who's a big, he's been to all the music in skies and is worked with, I've done some really cool stuff with tower busters and stuff. He's going to hopefully work, help him out. Cause we want to do like a kick-ass organite um, uh, workshop, right? Where kids and the families and everybody are there and they get a leave with a, with a tower buster at least, or, um, you know, an earth pipe or what whatnot. So we'll have an extra ticket. People can buy it like a, uh, you know, a workshop thing they can buy and so that'll cover the, you know, the materials and stuff. Cause it's getting more and more expensive. And then, you know, every day we'll do a little, we'll have an organite workshop going like, that's the kind of stuff that we do at music and sky. That's really fun. So um, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're learning skills and, and you're coming away with things that are going to empower your life. Uh, and you're not, you know, coming home with, with a hangover and, you know, uh, God knows what else <laughs> you get at some of these other festivals, but not, but not the cooties. Yeah. <laughs> Sterling says his favorite moment was when Troy Casey got everyone to force cough as hard as they could. Oh man. In California where everyone was terrified to sneeze and he led us in a coughing fit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Troy was our host with the most, uh, for the first, uh, well last year and the year before he's a homie certified health nut. Um, he got a little too naked last year, but uh, it's all good. Um, <laughs> up on stage, like we've seen that happen. But, um, yeah. So, uh, hey, Mike, for the kids in the back, what's your son moon rising? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, so, uh, basically, uh, well, my birthday is August twenty fourth, so it's coming up. Um, but, uh, dude, I'm terrible at this astrological stuff. Sorry. Well, that should um, put you on Virgo. And well, I'm a Virgo. Sign. So, but I don't know what the, um, what the moon and the, uh, that stuff is, to be honest. I don't, I don't have to look that up again. Um, <laughs> Somebody decode his, uh, astrology live in the chat. Yeah, yeah man. Go. That's cool. You know, it's fun, but it doesn't, uh, stop it, knowing it or not knowing it doesn't really, have a bearing on whether or not you just follow your conscience and do your best and be a good person. Yeah. I mean, I've done, I've done so many different astro astrological breakdowns and stuff. Um, I just never, dude, I've just never really taken too much heart in that. I was just like, I don't know. I've never, I, I appreciate it. I, I know your guys are really into it. Um, for me, it's just like, I just have always just gone with my intuition. Um, and you know, it was great. I just uh, did a backpacking trip uh, solo last weekend because where I live, it's pretty remote already. But I decided just spur the moment last Friday, I grabbed my dog and I was like, grab my backpack because uh, I've gotten into backpacking and I hiked up 14 miles, 5000 feet elevation. I mean, up and down, I think I was 3500 feet up in the top of a mountain, not a soul around me for miles and miles and miles and camped in cowboy camped on top of a mountain under the most insane stars. Uh, I've seen in a while because it was kind of windy. So not a, not a, a cloud in the sky. I, the moon was very, uh, what is that waning or waxing? I'm terrible at this stuff chance, but it was like no moon out last Friday. And, so, um, and so I was just lit up with the it's most been, amazing. It's been waning for the record. Waning. waning. Okay. <laughs> Getting smaller. 
Yeah. So it was, so I, I had a very like psychedelic experience, totally sober. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Not only, um, uh, was I, um, looking at Sirius and seeing Sirius sort of, um, I do know the stars and stuff guys. So, um, uh, the, the North, so up here we have the Northern triangle or whatever, um, Altair Sirius. So like the three brightest stars, right. I swear they were starting to move in the stars. Like it reminded me of that moon night ep- episode where he moves the sky. I kid you not. They were, they started moving for me for a little bit. I was tripping out and I was totally sober. This was like probably one in the morning. Um, it was very interesting and no, it wasn't, um, uh, Elon Musk sky link or whatever. Yeah. Vega, Altair and Deneb. Yep. So I was tripping out on that summer triangle because it was sort of like shifting on me, dude. It was really interesting. Um, but yeah, I saw the whole Milky Way and then definitely saw a couple UFO stuff, saw four falling stars. Um, and what is your, I, I was tripping out on the concept of falling star. When you, what is your idea of what a falling star is? Because when we're, when we're talking about the sky clock, right. And, and, you know, our idea, I think we, probably have parallel ideas of really what the stars are in terms of what the point of them is as the sky clock. What is a, well, how would you explain then what a falling star is? That is a great question. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to be honest. I can't explain it. If we're talking meteor showers and things like that, you know, there is a lot of mythology and mystery school traditions about beings being turned into a star at the like and that's what ascension is and to me i was kind of like the idea that we come from the true north the the stillness of the center of the vortex the pole star Mm -hmm. and then through a process of like (laughs) you know we descend down to the density levels like where we are now and so falling stars may be total speculation total philosophy but possibly beings that are uh, coming from the the state of pure undifferentiated wholeness and deciding to come down and incarnate in this realm. Maybe that was, uh, that was exactly what I was thinking. So I was thinking it's the exact same thing. I was basically, it was part of the reincarnation cycle um, of life streams that are returning uh, because obviously not every, a lot of people are born and die all the time and you don't see a shooting star for everyone being born, but maybe that's because most of the people are already circling the fishbowl <laughs> or the pool, you know, like they are doing a life, not really ascending, starting over. And then well, yeah, the uh, falling stars are people are beings that are like, you know, I've, I've had a great time being the undifferentiated, all knowing wholeness. And now I'm ready to go do some more laps in the earth circuit. Well, yeah. The, I mean, the idea when I was, you know, once again, it was like the higher angelic, um, sort of uh host that decide to come down is kind of like almost reminds me of um uh uh it's a wonderful life right at the beginning where they have the little stars talking they're the angels you remember that and then uh he drops down to help him um and so yeah that's the idea is that you're right it's not like the uh, the souls that are in the reincarnation cycle it's the kind of higher the higher benevolent say ones that are coming down to help us uh, that is an interesting idea, but I was tripping out on that. I'm like, what are fault? What are these things? Cause I saw four of them within a span of maybe an hour and a half. Um, it was pretty cool. Could also but, be um, something like chunks of the firmament, mm-hmm. you know, or 
if there really are waters above, maybe there are, maybe the firmament, firmament isn't as perfectly 100% sealed as you th- we might think. Maybe there's some kind of porousness to it that allows that mechanism of a falling star to occur. I don't know, because stuff does fall from the sky. That's one of yeah. the interesting uh, things to when you open up to a different cosmology. And I don't say, I'm not saying I know what the realm is, but you know, when you're no longer on a spinning ball, then a, a void vacuum of infinity is a tiny speck of nothingness separated from all meaning or truth. <laughs> uh, then these, these questions get way more interesting. And then you start to see why the ancients would do things like create ceremonial tools out of meteoric iron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the other idea there, I guess, is that, you know, you have realms that are separated by, um, you know, the waters and that we're just one island uh, here in this, you know, encapsulated water system. And then there's others here that maybe there's some way that they transfer over and come through. Um, I mean, yeah, who knows? (laughs) Who knows? But um, yeah, I'm glad you got to have that experience, man. I don't get a lot of full blast Milky Way action where I'm at. Yeah, dude, it was um it was really cool and just being out there, you know, in nature, really out there, right? By all by yourself with just your own wits and I did have um I have like a Garmin in reach too, you know, if any just in case anything really goes down, goes south so I can it's like a satellite GPS thing with messaging. But I was out there with my dog and I bear scat everywhere. Um didn't get to see a bear. I was hoping to. Uh, and no, no mountain lions or anything, but yeah, a, a lot of crazy wildlife and just there's something special about it, man. You just really get in touch with yourself and is just super spiritual. So I'm getting more and more into that and want to do it more and more. And my kids are getting into it too. So I want to get more remote and, um, we're talking about doing a trip to Alaska, and, um, doing some fun stuff. So, uh, but yeah, music and sky, once again, the sky, part of, of the event is we try to get out there in places where you do get some of that nighttime experience with the stars. Um, because the daytime's really important. We do, we, we jam pack the day with a lot of really cool stuff from ice baths and, you know, yoga and we do Kundalini yoga and great talks and, and all that. And actually the event is now kind of, um, it's definitely grown up a little bit more to be more experiential and more immersive and integrative. It's less like sitting and listening to someone talk. It's definitely more, you're going to love it chance. Cause it's definitely more like programmed to be an experience, almost like going to Disneyland or something where you're going to be walking around and going into these experiences and less sitting in an audience and having a talking head tell you stuff. So that's something we've been really focusing on is making this more about integration. Now, now. I'm going to be wandering around with with this, I'm just going to be like, what's up? Anybody need some tuning? Dude, that thing is legit, bro. That's your like Thor hammer. Jesus. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. So engraved and stuff. I guess I better strike that on. You need a big old. You need a Thor hunt. hammer to strike it. Look, this is the striker. Oh, no way. I'm glad I'm playing a tuning fork because I wanted to tell everybody about the new Alpha Vedic episode with Eileen Day McCusick, my personal, one of my personal greatest heroes in the world. It was such a good episode. Thanks, bro. Yeah. Thanks for um, really motivating and inspiring us to have her on because 
She was definitely um, somebody who was mentioned a lot in uh, in our chats during AlphaCast whenever Bear would talk about tuning forks. Oh, you need to have Eileen McCusick on. So it was definitely on. She was on our radar and um, she's in some other groups of ours and stuff that were, you know, and I actually going to get you in that one group. Uh, gotta remind you, uh, remind me, but um, she's an explorer too. Like she's ex- uh, explores. She's, you know, what's great about someone like Eileen is she never rests on her laurels. Like she's a true, what really the scientific method should be about. And what, it, you know, it's like constantly searching, constantly trying to see what this reality is and what the truth is because she's all about that. She's the real deal. For sure. And um, we're really stoked that she's going to be at Music and Sky. So <laughs> it's going to be badass, dude. Yeah, I'm, that was a big draw to me because <laughs> I definitely want to meet Eileen and you, of course, buddy, and all the others that are going to be there. So she's so- going to do something really cool, too. If we want to dip into the speakers like uh, and check out the site again, she's yeah, going to... Um, uh, speaking of being more experiential, uh, she's going and we're still kind of just dripping people onto this site. There's still a lot more people to add, of course, and a lot more acts and stuff. Um, but she uh, she's going to do a really cool um, uh, live integration of tuning with uh, people's vocal cords and the tuning fork. So she's going to have us, I guess, singing or chanting and then tuning in with f- tuning forks. Uh, and something I guess she's never really done before. So, uh, it's going to be very interesting. So it's going to be super interactive, which is going to be a lot of fun. I love that. It actually helps a lot during sessions sometimes to have the client vocalize with me and match the tone or like, uh, some clients even dude. I had the craziest experience, but okay. I just got to interject with this because I haven't really told the people about this either, but I had a client not long ago who I uh, had never had a client before where their whole left side of their energy field was switched off. They were operating fully right side, which is the masculine side. And they were like hyper masculine. (laughs) Like he was jacked. He was super active, like really go getter entrepreneur type dude. But whole left side of the body was energetically shut off. And I, uh, I hit this point in the field at a certain age. And I was like, Wow, before the stage, this is really oppressive, kind of like scary feeling. And um, then at another point, the tone totally shifts and it feels like more normal and happy. And I, I threw out the age to him and he's like, yeah, that was the age that I moved, immigrated to United States. And before that, I ra- was raised in a communist country. And I was wow. like, how wild is that? Communism is you know, that's the extreme left and the left side of his energy field was <laughs> traumatized Wild. by all that. It was so weird. So it was yeah, like, I, I had the I, terms right and left for the political spectrum. And yet there's like this b- bizarre energetic truth to that. Isn't that interesting how the kind of fractal nature of reality and how it interplays with our physiology in ways that we are still just trying to figure out, right? It, it makes sense because the left uh, on the political spectrum is more about like, do everything for me, take care of me. The state is my mommy mm-hmm. and the left side is the mother side, you know, and the, the right side of the political spectrum is more like, we just want strong protection, but otherwise leave us alone. Yeah. Let us do our own thing. So it makes sense. That's cool, man. Yeah. My, um, my remote 
digital over Zoom uh, session with Eileen. I was, I got to admit, I mean, I get the, I get the physics, I get the science and the the idea of what's going on, but I was still very skeptical coming into it that it was going to be the same as being in the room, right? Where the room makes a lot of sense to me because it's like you're literally in the etheric space where you're sharing or the toning is coming through your field. And that just makes a lot of sense to me, but like across through a digital medium and someone who's a technologist who works in this space, this was pretty damn cool. Like it, it, it so just re- I'll just interject that it actually isn't going through the medium of the call. It's not going through the digital medium. Oh no, I know. I get <laughs> you know that. I, mean? I get that. I, I'm yeah. saying no, in the room, when you're the room, it's like very easy for you to understand, like, right. You're right there with them. So you're, it's just more apparent that you're in the soup of the timeless, you know, you're in the soup of the ether, but what's great about it is it, the ether is timeless. It's, it's, it transcends time and space, right? It's what, the current scientists want to call quantum, right? Quantum, but it's not quantum. It's not magical BBs. It's the ether, but it is, it transcends time and space. So it doesn't all, all the zoom or whatever the interface is doing is just giving us a reference, right? So we can have an auditory response mechanism going on. You could do it over the phone, right? Um, But I've done uh, it when people weren't even on the phone with me, we picked a time. And they received it too. So yeah, it, you Edgar it's, it's awesome. That. Like you Edgar Casey, that shit. <laughs> seriously though, you can, you can <laughs> prove to yourself the existence and primacy of ether through modalities like remote tuning fork sessions. It's amazing. I, I kind of want to hear more, you know, you don't have to get personal about it, but tell me more about how it was to work with the, the master herself. That is so cool. Um, It was like amazing because it was the first toning and she went to my feet. She hit, she like hit me with like an insane awareness uh, in terms of something I I've hidden in my life in a way, like not hidden, but just kind of, it was very early trauma that I had from when literally that when I was born and then early trauma um, and some weird stuff that came later uh, as a kid, but actual physical trauma too, I had as I, um, and I kind of forget forgot about this, but when I was two years old, I was jumping on a bed, maybe two and a half, and I fell off and rolled down the stairs and broke my collarbone. I don't consciously remember this, but she said immediately, she's like, I feel you tumbling, like you're tumbling, tumbling, tumbling. And um, I was like, oh, she's like, yeah, and your whole, everything's spinning. And it had this continual motif of spinning and tumbling. And I've actually had three or four um, incidents in my life where I've had um, tumbles, where I've had uh, concussions. And she's like, this is not normal, Mike. Like, this isn't normal trauma that people go through, just so you know. Because I was in a bad car accident where I was flew to the back of the van and, and, and uh, you know, was knocked unconscious and had to get a CAT scan and, and then uh, some football injuries and stuff. So anyways, um, it was really interesting because she, she was, uh, I was getting sort of nauseous and she was too. She was sharing in, it was like an empathetic, empathetic, is that the word? It was, she's like an empath. And that she was feeling what I was feeling and she was even burping from the um, sort of, um, you know, nausea kind of thing that we were going through. And then she was able to stop or I was able to, I was really the one doing it. I think, you know, the way it works, Chance, and you could probably explain this better than I with how the biofeedback works or whatever. Um, But uh, I was able to kind of he- to to come to awareness of that and and in that cycle, and I think that's where a lot of my migraines had been coming from uh, for years. And so we were able to tackle a lot, and that was like 
pretty quick, like her first toning, she got all this information. It was wild. Um, and then, yeah, we went deep, we went deep. I got emotional. I cried all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, it was, um, I, she's actually going to have me write a testimonial. So I'm going to, um, use some, some of this, I'm going to have to rewatch this and write some of this down, but, uh, yeah, she's, yeah. uh, she's wow. amazing. The empath part of it is definitely how it works sometimes, but what's kind of cool is there's a, so many, there's a bunch of different ways it can work. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, for me, like I don't get hung up on it. it needs to, the information needs to come through one way or the other. And I'm sure Eileen would agree with this. And like for different people, I was just at the intention that uh, exactly the way it needs to happen is the way it's going to happen. And I just sort of go with the flow. I'm almost just like do just doing things <laughs> with an awareness of the biofield anatomy and in communication with them. But that whole tumbling thing, that sounds pretty intense. And uh, for me, for sure, I've had experiences before, like working in someone's throat chakra area and getting like a uh, acid reflux feeling come up and mm-hmm. them dealing with unexpressed anger issues or all of that. And it's very shamanic in that sense, because that is in my from all I've learned about shamanic uh, practices, really what it is, and this is something that links into things like Qigong as well, you develop a sensitivity to your own energy and recognize the inner world, outer world reflection. And then when you see or encounter or it comes to you and ask for help, energy that is not in flow for some reason in the external, then you find the correlating internal blockage or feeling and you work with it internally. And then you watch it change externally. I feel like that, that awareness that that is the effect we have on the the world and way more effective than ever trying to like smash a square block into a round hole is to instead find what isn't flowing for you internally and work with that. And that's why I will always continue to talk to energy practice people that are legit and Qigong masters and things like that, because these are the tools that can teach us to do it for ourselves, And I love that you got to have that experience with Eileen, man. <laughs> oh dude, it was cool. I was, I was thinking too, cause I've been, and maybe not done. another tumble for the rest of your life. Maybe no more bad well, tumbling head injuries. So, so that's what I was just going to bring up this idea of accidents, right? Because of course we're taught that accidents are, uh, you know, when I say we're taught like traditional legacy, you know, systems or whatever, the mainstream tells us that we live in a cause and effect, random chaos world, right? Where everything is just chaos and um, there's no rhyme or reason to what an accident happens. It's just a series of events that are just random. But Rudolf Steiner, like, is great. You know, the mystic from the, I mean, I'm sure your audience knows who Rudolf Steiner is. He explains how accidents are actually deeply spiritual uh, uh, to do with, uh, you know, what you've already set yourself up for. Um, there's no such thing as an accident. Everything uh, is it has to do with your intentions and your connection to your higher self and all this stuff that's going on. And it's actually lessons you can deliver to yourself from your higher self. And so there is no accident. So, yeah, you're right. Like, I think a lot of this tumbling probably had was, you know, and these accidents I had growing up had to do with my inability to sort of uh, flesh out some of this early trauma I had. And so it was like, and, my you know, that's not even your fault. Cause some of that stuff was so far back. You can't even consciously remember it. And that's why it's so yeah. cool that we can help each other like this. Exactly. And I want to throw in, I say this all the time, but before Qigong, I used to stub my toe all the time. Horrible pain after Qigong basically never do that. 
<laughs> so it's like a body awareness Dude. thing. So I walk barefoot. I'm kind of known as the barefoot guy. So Me I live too, barefoot. man. I live uh, barefoot. Uh, explicitly bare feet. <laughs> yeah. So I go to, I go into like stores barefoot. I don't care what the policy is. I walk on like crazy rocks around the river barefoot. Uh, I do all my work around the yard barefoot. My whole theory is like, I go on we, snow walks barefoot. Uh, I love all that stuff. Um, and we, we did a really cool show and, and this will actually, um, be a cool segue into one of our other speakers at the event, but we did, a um, and actually I want to connect you with Gabriel because I know you're familiar with the reading Cedars books, um, which I have a bunch right here. So they were nice enough to send me all of the Anastasia reading Cedars books. Uh, thank you. Just got them yesterday. Thanks Gabe. I had a, I had a few of them, but, uh, very awesome. So. I'm sure some of your audience are familiar with the um, the Russian mystic uh, in the in the tundra there, uh, the uh, Tigra uh, Anastasia. She's kind of like a modern um, master, ascended master kind of person, and she um, she she explains very well like how in nature, especially like once you're in flow with nature, nature has a there's like a biofeedback or a feedback with nature herself, and you're not going to be um, stepping on thorns or having, um, you know, insects bite you and all this stuff. It's literally like in that etheric sort of communication going on where the, the nature works with you. And I, I do definitely get that sense when I'm out working in the food forest here or in my garden and um, I'm always barefoot and doing kind of heavy work barefoot. And my dad will be like, you know, what are you doing? Aren't you worried you're going to, you know, step on a thorn or something? And I'm like, I'm in the flow, dad. I'm good. Yeah, you know, every, but, <laughs> every couple of months or something, when I do step on a thorn or something, I always immediately notice where my attention was and how yes. it wasn't in the present moment. And it's like a, it's like a red flag. It goes, Hey, the thing that you were just lost in thought about, or maybe I was like on the phone while walking yeah. or something like that. It's always a red flag. Like, Hey, Hey, come back to now. <laughs> yep. And I think we yep. get those all the time. And the harder, the harder those, uh, messages are hitting us that means we're ignoring them more and so they kind of come in stronger and stronger waves like stub your toe <laughs> wreck your car house on fire <laughs> you know like are you are you paying attention and so how symbolic is it of the the disconnect in our realm right now where most people are wearing rubber shoes where they're literally insulating themselves from connectivity, right? Because rubber is an insulator, right? Or whatever. So they're literally stopping the connection on that front and in a really bad way. Like, And how and, funny is it that the Egyptian god that separates the earth from the sky and keeps them from copulating and creates sort of the yin-yang division of polarity for the material world to manifest is named Shu. <laughs> wow. That's I always good, trip on that. That's a good connection there. Um yeah. So, uh, anyways, uh, the barefoot stuff, I love being barefoot and I'll, you'll see me in barefoot at music and sky, even at when we were in, uh, it's funny when we were at Joshua tree and it was like a hundred degree desert sand, I was still barefoot. Cause I take pride in my, my thick calluses, bro. Um, but, um, but on the lineup, we do have Gabriel Miguel coming out. He's the, um, he's the founder of the Anastasia, um, uh, foundation in the United States here. And so he's coming out to talk and represent uh, Ringing Cedars and uh, the Anastasia uh, uh, community. And a lot of uh, their community will be coming out um, and uh, it'll be great. I think they'll have an information booth there because uh, we're, we're really big on the Kins Domain concept. 
And uh, this idea of your family having a two and a half acre parcel where it's your generational like uh, inheritance where you essentially have like a permaculture, um, you know, uh, plot of land that you is yours that you're you bury your, you know, your elders in and you, they their tree springs up and it's like your generational sort of place on the on on the planet or in the realm. And, um, and so anyways, uh, that's going to be really fun to, uh, have him do his talk because I'm, I've very much been, uh, enraptured by the Anastasia books. Uh, I, I'd known about them. Bear had told me about them for years and I didn't start reading them until this year. And I was like, wow, really crazy. I got, I've done the first one. It's really good. It's I did really it as good. an audiobook though. Uh, we got a caller. Got a caller. Hey. Oh, Gordy. What's up, my man? Hey, Mike. Good to meet you, man. Hey, brother. How are you? Good, man. I think we were once on a, were we once on a Vibrant, like back at, oh, uh, a while ago? We might yeah. have. Yeah. It's all good. It's right. all good. You're on, you're on a lot of live streams, dude. You can't remember dude. everything. And they go like six, seven hours long. You know, I don't know how you guys do that weaving spiders thing, man. Like, I can't. <laughs> dude, Three like, is my limit. I'm a health freak. So like being up at on front of a screen for six hours is, 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 is kind of toxic, but, um, dude, so, uh, did you, did you grow up a punk rocker? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We had a, we had, there were a couple of clubs in Tucson that were, um, so in 1988, I saw bad brains at the DPC in Tucson on stone Avenue it was the diviest place, so gnarly. Nice. But that show changed my life, man. It's only the bad brains should be playing in, just the diviest spot oh, yeah. with love oh, yeah. everywhere. Talking about spiritual stuff and, and punk rock at the same time. Like, come on. That's well, that's I mean shit, man. I mean, does it get more spiritual than um, the original ethos of punk, which is all about right? individuality and exactly. fi- finding yourself through, um, you know, and it's about community and stuff, too. But it's about like, you know, being as uh, as true to your core beliefs as you want. There's like that's what I loved about punk when I was in high school. Cause it was this like very, I grew up in orange County where it was like, you know, every corner was a seven 11 and Disneyland and all that. It was just so corporate. And it was like this punk ethos was like against all of that. And it is pretty spiritual, you know, when you really look at it, I grew up in like, you know, for me, it was like bad religion and no effects and those kind of bands. But I also yeah. love like minor threat and a mm-hmm. big fan of like descendants and um, uh, dead Kennedys and, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so yeah, CD nineties for me, CDs, just like, that's all I did was buy punk rock CDs. Um, yeah. And had some vinyl too, but, yeah. uh, that's great, man. The first, the first subject I came on to any live, any other live stream other than Rogueways was when I went on spiders, the first night we were talking about how the, how all of the punks pushed out on everything. And there was that punk rock was completely dead because of coronavirus. Yeah. And all of them, including the descendants, were pushing the mask and vax bullshit. And especially bad religion, man. That was. But if ugh. you, and the, and if you one, actually listen to a lot of their lyrics now, like no effects and stuff, they're like straight up they, communist, exactly. leftist, you know, you that know, and Mike has lost it. Oh, dude. 
lost it. That whole scene, man, it's so hard. I go back and I was listening to Punk and Drublick recently and I was like, oh, I, as a kid, mm. I didn't really listen to these lyrics too well because it's <laughs> kind of woke, you know? It's like, whoa. I um, didn't even know who Fat Mike was. I've heard the name No Effects before, but I just... Uh, <laughs> I just have to show this. Yeah, I, I used to Google, Google just, image search. Uh, there you go. Yeah. All the way. This is called going all the way. Yeah, it's such a shame. I, I know there's got to be a couple. I know there's a couple. Uh, Henry Rollins, right? Wasn't Henry Ooh. Henry Rollins? He kind of stood up and and stood stood true to his, you know, his intentions. You know, like truth. Um, uh, I've heard, I've heard Jello Biafra was a total plant and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I saw him perform at UCSB, uh, which was amazing because I was a huge, uh, uh, dead Kennedys fan in high school. Um, but when you actually listen to those lyrics, they're a straight up leftist socialist. Most punk bands were like sold on that idealism. So that does, that totally makes sense that they would fall for scientism, you know? Um, but yeah, it's a shame, man. I know there's see, there's a huge if the kids listening out there, there's a huge uh, opportunity for you to be uh, an awake punk rock band and and tell the start the new wave, the new wave of the new punk. Um, because all the punk, the new punk stuff, I'd listen to one of the punk station on uh, Sirius XM every now and then. I forgot what it's called. It's like one of the higher channels because they got some good stuff on there sometimes. But all the new stuff is just terrible, man. Um. But, uh, yeah, there was a, I was a big ska kid too. So growing up in orange County, like this third wave ska scene was really big. So my friends were in bands like real big fish and mm-hmm. aquabats. And, uh, we'd hang out occasionally. We'd see Gwen Stefani. Aquabats isn't that where Travis Barker came from? So I Travis, I listened to blink 183 all the time. 182, but, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, well, they used to be just Blink. I saw them play at a garage house party in San Diego. Um, but uh, yeah, and I saw Weezer play when nobody knew what Weezer was in a strip mall in Huntington Beach. Uh, yeah, the Blink guys, joke. they're so garage and so authentic punk that their parents, you know, uh, Mark and Tom, their parents are in the defense industry and oh, the uh, oil industry, like huge. Uh, there's yeah, no... Look- it's Him basically military industrial whole... complex. Uh, well, look what uh, happened offspring. to Tom. Tom mm-hmm. is now like, he's like the spokesman for the whole, uh, 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 you know, basically CIA run op for, uh, the UFO uh, thing. They don't even call them UFOs. They call them UA. What do they call them? Unidentified uh, UAPs. UAPs. Unidentified and... aerial phenomenon. <laughs> and it's the stars Academy. What's it called? Like the stars Academy. To or the stars Academy. To the Donate stars to Academy. us and then forget that we exist because we'll stop our PR and we'll just hang on to this money. Yeah, dude. So, um, interesting though, how a lot of that is just the same old stuff, all that pop punk and everything. It was just co-opted and commercialized and used to control the kiddos. So, but I was going to say like all the great music, all these scenes did, they all come, they all stem from an original underground ethos, right? Like of of a real authentic art and creation, like punk that came out of the sixties, you know, with bands like, um, well, I mean, even like the kinks and stuff, which were co-opted later, but they were like punk rock, you know? And of course you had, of course, like, you know, the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and, and, and those kind of acts and, 
Um, the Sex Pistols, uh, Johnny Rotten was very vocal about how they were trying to co-opt them, EMI coming in and uh, control them. And, uh, you know, so they're always come, all of this stuff always, I believe, comes out of a true natural intentionality for us, for the human nature to be creative and be connected to the divine. And then the good old um, folks that aren't connected because they have lost their connection to source, they don't know how to create, they come in and co-opt it, control it, and use it for nefarious you know, that's what Satan is. That's what the devil is. The devil is not a creator. The devil doesn't know how to create. The devil just knows how to trick people into creating stuff for him that for his will. Vultures of culture. Yeah. Vultures well, of culture. That's why it's a big thing that you guys are getting together. You're actually doing the thing that made us all fall in love with punk rock in the first place is going to that dirty, nasty club, risking, you know, disease or what, or injury moshing in those pits because you did it together. Exactly. Like the point is you were always doing stuff together. It was, and you guys are really focusing on the sound. The sound is the thing, and it, man. The only dirty part just is like, you know, normal, healthy sweat and actual dirt. <laughs> Which is actually healthy for you. Yeah, exactly. The thing that we've been trained that we're not supposed to do is what we need. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's something about uh, you felt. I felt always great after a show thrashing in the pit. You get mm-hmm. this like energetic spirit, you know, where you're just swapping sweat and all that. And that's like we're that's what we're meant to be doing. That's how our quote unquote, if you even believe in immune system, that's how it works. The more that we connect with more different bodies, the stronger we get. That's how the network works. That's literally we live in a network and. They, of course, understand that. So six feet apart, lockdown, separation, going to the metaverse, like that's all to essentially weaken us. We get stronger when we come together. So, um, yeah, these things are called viruses and and pathogens are communication vectors. And exactly to like link this into the whole biofield anatomy and the experience you had with Eileen, what is going on is that parts of yourself that were not connected because of the schisming and fracturing of trauma metaphorically we're reconnected and the like the real health is when as many nodes in the network are connected to as many other nodes as possible that's like that's the simplest way of explaining what holistic even means or to be whole healthy and whole and i actually just interviewed a guy the episode will be dropping tomorrow let me pop up the cover art you may not have you may or may not know this guy uh matt powers the permaculture student dot com is his website. I, I know who Matt. Is. I don't know him personally, but I'm. I know who Matt Powers is. Yeah. Yeah. So Matt Powers, Mike Winner, maybe you guys should talk. Cool. <laughs> it's going to be tomorrow, and uh, this dude's got some amazing enthusiasm for life, and really excited to drop that episode because he's not really a part of the so like quote unquote truth community stuff, but he's doing this citizen scientist thing, researching on his own, and coming to the same conclusions of like, yo. Uh, 98% of E. coli is <laughs> totally benign and is part of our, we're, it's always All in our us. digestive tract. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, so it's really cool to see, to see that uh, knowledge unfolding in more and more people that the only thing that nature, the only reason nature would ever create something pathogenic or a disease of any kind that could be given to human beings would be as a way to like, Hey, 
you're a, you're not a part of the environment that we can tolerate anymore. So we're going to compost you. <laughs> and that's well, really not even our, that's not even really nature's intent or the idea behind it. It's just more like if there is not a filtration system for toxicity in the environment, we become the filtration system because, you know, everything kind of flows through us at our point in the, in the environment that we, we sit in. Yeah. Yeah. As, as Dr. Berlando says, nature does not create pathogens. It's not in tune with natural law and how nature works. The, what we think are pathogens are is when we have dying tissue, it's coming up to clean up the job and actually help us. Like nature is always trying to help us. So, you know, but then of course we attack them as the bad guy, the bacteria or whatnot, but they're just trying to do the beneficial job to keep the system clean and to keep the system running, you know, correctly. And then if you get into the spiritual side, like we inherited this realm, like we are the masters of this realm. So if we're not doing our job uh, accordingly, then yeah, I think um, uh, out of here, you know, you get what you deserve because obviously we haven't been doing the job. Uh, we haven't been taking responsibility for us being the divine creators of the realm. And that's why I love permaculture mm. because permaculture understands that actually there is a symbiotic relationship between consciousness and, and nature and how we can, as the divine creators in the realm can actually play even actually help nature and do things that nature can't do by herself. So it, you know, it's pretty cool. It's about human design is what, what permaculture is about. It's about using our own faculties in, in our creative abilities to actually make systems that are more, um, you know, benevolent and more uh, efficient. And, and then even what you see in a forest. So like I have a food forest out here which mimics a forest with the, with the seven layers of forest, you know, from the, the roots up to the top canopy trees and everything in between, but I designed it to be edible. So you go into the conifer forest right across the street and it's just abundant with moss and all these different species and all these creepy crawlies and all this beautiful, uh, you know, um, uh, bacteria undergrowth and the mycelium network and everything. And it's, you go in there and you feel alive. You go into mine, it's a similar idea, except I'm picking fruit off all the trees. I'm picking berries. I'm serving myself. So I've like designed it in a way to not only service myself, but also to, you know, bring the garden of Eden back. Right. So um, permaculture is amazing. I look forward to watching that one um, chance because that's a huge passion of mine. Yeah, you know, on the subject, uh, what's going on with Alpha Vedic? Anything new, exciting, being released or being cooked up in Bear's laboratory? <laughs> Constantly. Well, and on the permaculture, permaculture side too, real quick, because I think you've interviewed him. I was talking to Jim, our, my buddy Jim Gale today. And oh, yeah, I love that guy. He's super sun dog. Yeah, so he's looks like he's going to come out to Music and Sky and, and talk. And, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're just kind of, we're talking about it briefly today and just got to flesh out the particulars, but he's, he's super fun. I've hung out with Jim in person on a couple different, um, events that we've spoken at together and he is, he is definitely has that energy, you know, Jim is always bringing it. So, um, yeah, so he'll bring, uh, he's doing some really cool projects right now too. Um, you notice there's a trend with these permaculture guys just to interrupt is that they have an unstoppable enthusiasm. If yeah. that, <laughs> actually powers pointed out to me and I'm like, I can't believe I didn't notice this because enthusiasm is my jam. It's like my favorite hexagram in the I Ching and everything. And it's in Theos, you know, it's like, 
whenever you're enthusiastic about life, the the creator and the spirit of life itself is stoked on you as much as you are stoked on life. And it's this positive feedback loop. Well, that's definitely me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm the never ending energy guy. Dude, the first music in sky, I didn't sleep for three days. Like I was just on, I was just on like a, a natural high of throwing this event and taking the risk to do it. And obviously, you know, I was like parking cars till one in the morning one night. And I mean, it was, it was crazy, but um, yeah, I just, dude, gotta love life. If you're not out here just crushing life every day, you know, you gotta really start to think about which, why you're here. But um, in terms of Alpha Vedic, we got an amazing um, community that's really erupted in the last two years. We're doing, starting to do workshops on the land. So uh, we have a, a private uh, community that um, we're launching our own our new platform, we're getting off Patreon. It's going to be on alphabetic.com. We're doing it all with open source architecture. Uh, it will eventually be on Cordal as well. Uh, but for our members, we're going to, we're starting to do uh, in-person workshops on the farm and we're doing a really cool first one called I Am the Law with uh, Ron Gibson and Marsha Ann. And it's going to be recorded and that will be our first um, uh, sort of recorded workshop on the land that will be available to all our, all of our members. And, uh, and it's basically a breakdown of uh, understanding who you are as the law, as the divine source of your own law, and breaking down everything from the uh, very basic philosophy of that all the way to understanding how you can get a land patent and take control of your property if you want to, and how that would in- work into um, doing uh, trusts and all this stuff to protect yourself uh, and, and be in the private, to move from the public you know, maritime corporate BS into the private so that you can uh, exist as a living man or woman appropriately and properly. And to be able to pass this down to your, you know, to um, the little, you got to be careful when you're with your words, when you start talking like this, because you can't say kids, kids are baby goats, Um, really your property in a way, but your, you know, your children. um, I always just throw out there like, you know what? Yes, it's good to know what the legalese is, but the legalese is a dead language. It is copyrighted. It's just like an imitation of the living language. It's a trickery, if you will. And the living language, we mean what we mean. (laughs) And intention matters. It's funny because even maritime. If you're conscious about it, yeah. If you're conscious about it, absolutely. But uh, maritime even, that word, funny enough, on the etymology level, it is linked to to the word for death. Mary yeah. time, it's not very far from Mort time. <laughs> and there's a whole philological link that people can check out really well detailed in Dylan's fourth and, book, A God's Acre for Winds of the Soul. But it's perfect because the the whole system is based on corporations, corpse oration, yeah. death speak, and it's Mary time, Mort time law. Yeah, it's a de- definitely a death cult. Um, and like pair rents, right? You're You're literally renting your kids. Um, which is your, which <laughs> your baby goats, but you're renting your children to the state, a parent. Well, you're not, a, you're a father, or you're a mother, but when you don't, I mean, I know I get it. It's a lot of just words or words, right? It's the intention behind the words. And that's what we get into is with, it's with good this, to get into the gravy on it though, for sure. It is. But the workshop is, is what Marsha Ann's a brilliant at. And most people have never even heard of her because she's been literally in the private uh, working and helping people uh, that are, I guess a lot of, times deemed elites, uh, but to do their trusts and everything. So she, she knows it very well. And she, it's the, all about the war powers act and 
a lot of really interesting, uh, actually information that people don't know, even like people you've had on your show, really high level people that talk about legal versus lawful and all this. She really brings a next level of understanding to it. Um, she, she did talk to, uh, she did talk on the Liberty's Horizon event, if you guys want to check that out, uh, which I spoke at in San Diego a few months back, which was a privacy uh, symposium, which was next, next level. Um, but that being said, yeah, it's all about, um, your, uh, you know, your intention and your, and your function over form and, uh, understanding who you are. Uh, in the deep soul connection of who you are more than the paperwork. And we always stress that. Um, so anyways, we're doing that amazing workshop uh, uh, this in August. Um, Bear's lab's almost done. Um, so uh, he's going to, uh, we're doing a mushroom workshop actually in September. If you guys are interested, uh, you can join, you'll be able to join us at alphavedic.com and we'll, we're going to basically show you how to inoculate um uh, and start your own uh, mushroom farm, inoculate uh, uh, with do stumps. And then also we'll do some foraging because that by that time, if we get some decent rains, we'll actually be able to go into the coniferous forest there and find some turkey tail and reishi. And um, something I've been getting into the last few years is doing, mu- I don't know if you, you guys do any mushroom hunting, but um, that's a lot of fun. And, um, and then, yeah. And then, so, uh, the farm's just doing great. We've got uh, a lot of people that are actually moving here and finding land and, and forming this community. So, uh, it's just been so fun, man. Every weekend I'm having people visit, uh, and, and just cause we're pretty remote. So when people visit, it's fun because, um, they get to see where we live and, and hit the river and hit the trails and all that. So, uh, couldn't be happier, bro. Like, so glad I left LA in 2016. <laughs> Mike, you said you've, so I, that, oh God, that interview with, with, uh, Eileen. Yeah. You guys were talking about the stuff you were going to do there. Did she say that Victor Wooten is going to be there? That she's going to do a clinic with Victor Wooten? I think she's talking what about her that? sing the body electric. Yes, oh. uh, event that she's putting on. But yeah, Victor Wooten and Eileen are apparently friends. So it yep. doesn't surprise me. <laughs> that, I think yeah, that's okay. that's the one that they're doing. Uh, I, I might be wrong, but I think that's the one they're doing in Monterey uh, in December. If, and you can sign up for that. I'm pretty sure. But uh, yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. And Earth and um, Sky is where? Where so, and uh, when is it going to be? So Let's Music and Sky is... Um, is October 13th through the 16th. It's in Kuyama Valley. It's in Karma. Uh, it's in <laughs> Cali Pharma. Sorry guys. But um, for those who are triggered by the idea of coming to uh, California, it's, it's going to be okay. You're going to, it's not that crazy coming here. Like believe it or not, it's like anywhere else. If you go to the woke centers you're going to have wokeness. You're going to have idiots and masks and all that. But if you just hang out with us and what we do, like I never, like where I live, I never have had to deal with that since the whole shenanigans even started. Um, so, uh, but anyways, uh, it's in California and cause we're California based and we've stayed in California because we know California is one of the pri- like prime nodes on the planet for sort of the spiritual, um, sort of awakening that's happening. And that's why they've targeted it for decades. And that's why there's like, you know, the four families that have run California since the twenties. Uh, and, um, 
you know, basically, uh, you know, you have obviously Mount Shasta, which is um, one of the chakra points on the planet. Uh, you've got uh, the Sierras. You've got uh, obviously um, all the rivers and, and all the majesty in California. There's a, a, a lot of crystal here and stuff. So there's like a, it's a very magical place. In fact, I think the word California came from a magical story out of uh, a Spanish mystical or mythical fantasy novel or fantasy book. I looked into this years ago. Mm. Um, and uh, so it's a magical place that obviously a lot of people came to, they risked life and limb to come here. Right. Uh, if you buy into the traditional history and uh, for a reason, and a lot of interesting people have stayed here <laughs> and that's why they have Holly weird here because they knew they had to corrupt it. And uh, so we've stayed, we've stayed here and we, we, we uh, will hold the light in California and uh, so it's in California and um, it's uh, it's in a different, usually in a different venue every time. It's usually off grid in a beautiful outdoor location. Uh, it is a camping uh, gathering. Um, this one is, a, is pretty cool because um, our partner on the venue space has really done an amazing job. And normally during the whole lockdown times, we wouldn't even say where it was. You'd have, you'd find out the week of where you were going because we had a, do that literally out of to protect our community and ourselves because we weren't doing the protocols and stuff, but now we can be a little bit more kind of open about it. So it's at this place called Cielo uh, in Kuyama Valley. They do a lot of events there. It's a gorgeous location. It has a heated pool and it's like a desert scape with uh, the, like some of the stage area has this like beautiful sand. You can just dance in this like really light sand and it's got beautiful shade structures, wonderful uh, bathrooms, very comfortable, warm showers. Um, and then the ticket includes all of this. It also includes farm to table food. So we do family dinner, everybody eats together. So that, imagine that going to a fest where everybody comes together and eats together at the time. And so it's about, you know, we typically cap out about 500 campers, it's fully family friendly. We have a family stage. So we've got a network of um, what we call the Luminary Village, which of unschooling families. Uh, there's actually thanks to Dr. Edith Ubuntu Chan, who's one of our featured speakers. She's been to every single music in Sky, except she wasn't at the memorial event. Um, she's amazing. If you guys don't know her, she's been on AlphaCast and a lot of shows. Um, she's a she has a crazy story about how her child, her first child, came to her in a dark room retreat in Thailand uh, when she wasn't planning to have children, and she was doing a five or seven day dark room retreat at um, uh, oh god, what's his name's place out there in Thailand? He's pretty famous, but anyways, um, and she had a, uh, a, a basically her son came to her. And told him, I'm going to, you're going to give birth to me. And I'm the new generation of, of star children that are coming that have never, never incarnated on this realm yet to bring in the new, the new kind of ascension or the new, whatever of the uh, sort of like the new, the new type of human. And so she talks about this. She talks about this and her with her unschooling programs. And like she has blind, she does like stuff where she blindfolds her children, you know, uh, the kids in the class and they know how to read with the blindfold on and do art and all this stuff. So it's like next level, cool stuff. So we have a whole um, a luminary village of just children running around uh, and they have a stage where they could do karaoke and talent show and all this kind of cool stuff. So that's really, really important for us. And we've been developing that more and more and trying to make this more and more of a super, super family friendly event. Uh, and so 
the last music in sky on the fourth of July is great. By like day three, I looked around and it turned into a village. There it was turned into a village where there's just kids running around, naked babies, dogs. I don't know if we're gonna have dogs in this one. I have to check on that. But we were totally cool with dogs on the last one. Um and uh that's always my marker of a, a good event is if yeah. there are kids and dogs running free. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know that it's like pretty chill and safe. Exactly. And you know, I love the size range too, because that's part of the issue with the bigger festivals and the corporatization and the money grabbing and the energy siphoning and all that is when there's this effect of swarming, you know, when humans have too many in one spot, there's this strange effect that occurs where all of a sudden you can write off somebody who's having a hard time right next to you. But when there's just a few hundred people around you, the empathy is just more direct and for whatever reason, people are more prone to actually express the empathy and watch out for each other in a more family tribe way in a smaller group. And I don't know what the magic number is, but I say this all the time, but like, I don't know, 5,000 people is fine. And then 5,001 people, some like five people die. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the statistics don't make sense. It's not like a linear curve yeah, yeah, yeah. of like fatalities and things like that. So the event size you're talking about is cool because you we're going to like all see every face there and exactly. have a good chance to talk to almost everybody or be in, share space energetically with everybody. And we already have like hardcore community members, you know, that have gone to all of them that we, we do meetups. So I've done a multiple meetups here already. I did an ecstatic dance off grid mountain uh, set uh, last month or the beginning of this month where I had a bunch of music and sky people come all the way up here and they camped and we, uh, we, and we have satellite meetups already. And so we're actually going to be doing a workshop this go around if you, uh, for people who want it. So we've been asked like, when's music and sky going to be in back East or down South or the Midwest. And it's like, we don't have the ability to do that, but we're going to do a workshop training people who want to be a, do their own music and sky, throw their own event. They're going to get certified as an official music and sky um, producer. Oh, and, I'm in. Yeah. And I'm so in. then you're going to basically with the new platform we're launching. So we're, we're launching a new private platform, like basically what Alphabetic's doing, we're doing that for Music and Sky as well. It's a going to be a value for value model. So what that means is you pay what you think the value you're getting out of the, the community. And so uh, you can pay monthly or annually, whatever. And this is going to be a, a dope, you know, forums and discussion groups and all that. But then that's where we're going to have all the events and stuff. And so then we will give the branding and everything and help with booking and all that. And we'll fly out to the event, of course, uh, or at least one of us will. And our idea is to decentralize this and we're going to put it in a PMA. Uh, we're going to put it in a trust. Uh, and so it's not going to be an LLC or, or we might have a public facing LLC, but um, essentially we want to decentralize this and make this a movement where we don't have to do it all. <laughs> and that someone like chance can do this in Missouri or wherever the heck you are, where the bugs are the size of bats. And you basically, <laughs> yeah, I'm in Missouri and there's a, there's a Owen Benjamin tribe, Bertaria meetup or actual festival that happening sucks. on private land Labor Day here in Missouri, which is really exciting. I know. I want to go. I want to go. Topher's. I'm going to be there. I want to go meet Topher because he's, I think, talking, and I really want to meet that guy because I think. Oh, we have cool! You know Topher now. Yeah, he's. A I homie. don't know him. I just know him from. Uh, he's been on Crow, and and people have been asking us to interview him, and uh, I really want to get connected with him. If you know him, yeah, yeah, um, he's, I literally know him in physical space. 
Because he moved to the Ozarks from Costa Rica, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. He's the, he's awesome. He's starting. I uh, mean, okay. I won't say that. <laughs> he's got a lot of cool things cooking up and yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to be seeing and hearing a lot more of Topher and his w- uh, excellent wisdom. And he totally would make a, an amazing Alpha Vedic conversation. Guarantee cool, it. Cool. Um, but yeah, so Owen is a homie and chat every now and then. Um, so I, I'm in the, I don't know. Are you in the Beritaria app and stuff? Have you jumped in all in? Are you? No, I can't even keep up with my own people. I know. Right. Same here. (laughs) But I'm glad it's there and I'm going to meet a lot of them in person. Oh, cool. uh, So you're going to go. Jason's going to be there. Jason and Rose from cool. Jason Lingren. Yeah. 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 Owen's a, he's, he's a homie and uh, that would be awesome. I, that's going to be too close to music and sky for me. And I'll be kind of in the trenches for, for our event, but um, it's so cool how there's like these, very similar, you know, type of communities sprouting up everywhere. And we all get to intermingle because there's a lot of bears that follow alpha cast and involved with alpha Vedic and, and all that. And uh, it's, it's like what really I was cool talking man. about the communication network of the organic network is all the nodes are linking to each other. And, you know, there's so many, uh, <laughs> there's so many Mike winners and chance gardens out there doing this. And when we find another one like each other, it's amazing because we both grow from it. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not competitive. No, it's collaborative. That, that is the holistic model that we're moving towards. That's the first, the talk I did on the first music in sky was this like holistic economy model idea, which part of that is collaboration, cooperation, decentralization. That is the very uh, much the, um, you know, the Aquarian idea, right. That we're supposedly moving into this air idea where it's not about um, competition and looking towards authority and this Piscean, more this Piscean idea of like a, a leader and all that. Not saying that leadership isn't needed. I do believe in leadership. And that's why we're doing this workshop because you can't just have uh, an event done by, a, you know, just randomness, like show up, it's going to be cool. No, you have to have people that take charge and take, have some skin in the game and take responsibility. Um, but there are definitely, I don't know what your guys take on this whole Aquarian age stuff, but it does seem like we are moving into a newer time where these kind of ideas that are more air-based and uh, more decentralized uh, seems to be becoming more and more apparent so, um, yeah, so that's the idea of music and sky. So come get sort of, you know, we say certified just so people know like you, how we do it because we've been doing events. Like I've been doing events for 20 years. Um, it's my greatest probably creative talent besides DJing is being able to throw a quality event. I'm a bit of a anal retentive person when it comes to events. So I want everything perfect, but, um, and then Matt and Owen, my partners and Corey, um, have been in the game too. They're all, we're all in their forties. So we've been doing this since we we're teenagers. And uh, so it's just really fun um, to see finally, like, you know, what we wanted an event to be happening, like music and sky. So um, yeah, that would be great to do one out in the Ozarks. That would be super cool. Yeah. So Virgo, I do know that about me, Jenny. <laughs> So Virgo. Um, but uh, yeah, so we we're, we have some, um, I was just on a, a podcast called The Source Connection with Liz and Tara. Check it out. I talk, go deep into decentralization and Cordal, uh, but we talk, they're interested in doing potentially Music and Sky in uh, um, back East. And um, actually, I think Liz... Is it Liz moved to from California, I want to say to Missouri. 
dude, everybody's moving to freaking Missouri. And the Ozarks are <laughs> totally the promised land. After all the rest of the world went at least partially crazy around here, it stayed, yeah. it'll almost nothing changed. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, people were saying you have to wear your face diaper and stuff, but I never did. And it was no, it was no hassle. In other places, I know people were like brave and they went without the covering anyway. And they got, they got hassled and they couldn't go to certain places and they just lived that way here. People just didn't, I swear only twice in the whole time I got anyone talk to me about not wearing it. And it was always like a civilian, not like an authority. So that being said, there's also all this crazy quartz veins beneath our feet and the, we have a really great variety, like 12 different seasons. And <laughs> if things grow well here, it's an awesome yep. spot. It's uh, I even the name, the Ozark. It's like the Oz Ark. <laughs> Oz has a lot of interesting, interesting meanings, like the the stars or even strength. And then the Ark is, you know, there's a lot of meanings to Ark too. So this is some sort of cool vault for. It's like a vortex of. I consider there there to be a vortex here based on the fact that there are so many different ecological styles of environment that all sort of like swirl and blend in this one area. Like you have a deciduous forest here, but then you have plains here and then you have hills here and then you have swamps Marsh, here. Marshlands. We got all, all the things except I guess the ocean, but we got lakes and rivers and streams and really, really cool. See, I got, I, I got, I'm going to come visit. I was going to ask do, you, man, like, do it. How important do you think, feel like it is that you're actually doing this on the land? You're not in an auditorium. People aren't on concrete and people aren't on artificial you know, floors. This is why I love you because you just, Huge, right? you at, this is a very important, very, very important thing. And we were talking about this pretty, a lot at music and sky last, we did a 4th of July one last year. That was our big, uh, the festival time. It was cool because it was like super, um, it was just a good time. 2021, it was still a, kind of that, like the peak of, you know, the Corona nonsense and stuff. So we're all, you know, um, so we were in this really cool place, blue mountain, um, uh, what was it called? It was up in like the Western Sierra. So it was like a mountainous place that had a Creek going around the whole thing and just in the middle of forest. And there was like a sacred, there was definitely a sacred sort of vibe coming out of the land where we could feel it. We could all feel like this vortex of sacred kind of native American energy coming out. And there was also a lot of like, um, this is kind of weird, but it felt like, there was this sort of um, Western sort of esoteric mysticism kind of like a lot of talk about like the Essenes and stuff from like, how does the Essenes connect with, um, you know, California? And, um, you know, it was interesting because um, a couple of the, uh, uh, you know, members that were there, the couple of our community members who were there who were really tied into the Essenes were, were mentioning that there was a, actually a deep connection between the Essenes and certain uh, people that came way before the Native Americans to um, North America. And there's like an ancient, ancient history that we aren't told about. And that connects maybe back to Atlantis or Lemuria. I don't know. So the land's really, really important. And we try to do different areas. So we try to go desert forest, desert forest. So we're back to the desert again, which has a really kind of interesting feeling to it. 
Uh, and so we're here to heal the land. And speaking of the land, we're going to have, we're not on the website yet, but Russell Anderson and Chris, um, he, he goes by Cosmic Sojourner, are going to be doing a really intimate roundtable talk, uh, probably in the, um, I, I don't know what space we're going to do. And we have some really cool spaces at this venue, but they wanted to be very intimate about primary water. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with what primary water is. Um, but we're talking about the literally um, the transmutation of what water is and where it comes from as it comes up from the, the literally the bowels of, of Mother Gaia. And it's created not doesn't water does not come from uh, co- comets right that have been hit the planet. It's literally the life. It's consciousness. Water is the consciousness of the realm. It is the crystallization of the ether. Um, and so. Water, the primary water is essentially directly related to the cycles of consciousness. And right now it's bubbling up, bubbling up like it hasn't in thousands of years. And it's going to come up no matter what, but the quality is going to basically be associated with the quality of the water is going to relate to how we essentially come to grips with not only who we are, but what has happened in the recent past. And a lot of this has to do with healing with the native American tribes. And they're going to be talking about this kind of connection with consciousness, with the natives, um, with clear Lake, which is the oldest, deepest, uh, oldest body of Lake in the North America, which happens to be in Northern California. So another, a uh, really interesting little gem to know about California. Um, and most people don't even know, have never even heard of this. And so they're going to be going deep into some esoteric, really interesting stuff, some Walter Russell stuff. Um, here's what he, uh, Chris had to say. You'll love Chris. You got to have Chris on. He is like an insane uh, synchromistic. He goes okay. deep, deep, deep. So Put me in touch. I don't even I'm know if looking. you're going to understand this. Like it might sound like nonsense. And I told Chris, we're going to have to clean this up a little bit. Our message in center is centered in the heart as the crystal of water within an egg carton universe. The memory is key in bird words and the color of emotion recorded within the Akash as the late Dr. Masuro Emoto has brought the world, how words and emotion affect the matrix of light illusion to remember the primitive spirit of the law uh, over sovereignty, dominion over law of the land and sea within the breath of the compassionate. The uh, the Pomo tribe Elam band, uh, the indigenous worldwide, is the primary message from the primary water. Having their sovereignty taken by genocide, the entire planet is now experiencing uh, because of this standing colonization. The lo- locale is the largest and oldest lake in California. You saw my Clear Lake. It's it's in Lake County, and it's Clear Lake along the Ring of Fire. They go deep into what the Ring of Fire. The Ring of Fire is really important. Uh, Johnny Cash saying, love is a burning thing and it makes a fiery ring. The ring of fire as a sacred location within a sacred form with Hawaii, the heart chakra of earth, the green stone returned through the primary water and cycles of epochs between the pentagonal and hexagonal forms of information as energy in motion of the color of emotion from the heart or excuse me, the earth. So he says earth like E-A-R-T and then like I don't know what that little bracket thing is with a capital H. So basically earth heart, earth, and then backwards heart, earth heart, center of heart math in prime number and the Mary, the Magdalene as primary. So he relates Mary is very important to primary water. Anyways, this is what he, how he talks. So it's going to be a really fun talk. (laughs) There is a lot of linguistic exploration you can do that demonstrates the that things 
the the savior gods, if you will, the solar deities, they also are named after water and flow Mm -hmm. because water is life. The sun gives life. And these are like redeemer figures. So like just a couple examples off the top of my head. uh, There are some places where Bacchus was called Nihilus. And there are some places where the Nile River was called Christos. (laughs) Just a couple of examples, but like it goes deep. I recommend people check into, uh, as usual, Dylan Sacosio's work does an incredible job uh, breaking all that stuff down. Really excited to deliver the audiobook of the fourth the fourth volume soon uh when i get there i'm bound more about 25 percent of the no i'm like 35 percent of the way we're getting there <laughs> it's really good Those books are on my list to read i'm always reading like five or six books get the I, uh, get I, the audiobook I, I dropped of book three i know I, I bought it already i gotta put it on my put it in your ears to list i know we um, want like that's part of the I, that's why i'm supporting his mission myself so much is because uh, he gives keys that when you get these keys or this code, then all of us who are all doing our own thing in different places and seeing different things, the more of us have the keys or to the code, you know, we all collaborate on the research because no one person can explore every language and every culture and every ancient site and every, our, every ruin and all of that. We need as many people to get the keys of decipherment as possible. I think that's part of that connecting the network intelligence thing. So that's why I'm super into promoting Dylan's work because it really has helped me in terms of uh, keys. But I really like that whole thing, that whole thread on water. Well, very interesting. And the cool thing about this workshop or not a workshop, but this kind of, you know, uh, intentional kind of intimate um, uh, talk that they're going to have um, is that it's you can you can take what you want out of it. You can go deep and esoteric and spiritual, or you can understand that primary water means that there is no scarcity, there is no fear about us, you know, only having you know what two percent of drinkable water on the planet, and that water is going to be this resource that the NWO or whatever is going to take over and buy out, and we're going to be slave to the no. That's not how the realm works. Like we have all that we'll ever need here if we just wake up to it. So that's the beautiful thing. And there are people that are drilling for primary water. And what we're going to kind of get into is you don't even need to do that. It's like the Oregon idea. It's like when you have the intention, the understanding and, and work with the land and heal with the land, the water will bubble up. It will come up through your well. And, and it's, there's, a, there's a quality to it. There's a consciousness to it. It's more like Just plasma like when you structure. you some towers, it rains. Yes, which I've had a lot of experience with this year. Have you too, Gordy? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a creek here. Stony Creek, which is spring fed. And I've been going into it for years. It's one of the clearest, most crystal clear, beautiful nature uh, streams I've ever been in. And lately, and maybe it's just my own weird perception and having talked to these guys and understanding primary water, but I I sit in it every day. I go, I run to it and I kind of get in this vortex pool and I meditate in it. And I've been noticing the water has been getting more like plasma-y, structure-y feeling. It's like more of a tension to it. And it's more like, I don't know, bro. It's trippy, man. So I was talking to them about that. And like, well, we just got out of a call off a call from our East coast, primary water, uh, tribal members, uh, uh, from the Iroquois nation or whatever. And they're saying that the water is coming up. So you're going to start experiencing that. So anyways, really exciting times. And, um, I can't wait for that talk. 
<laughs> this has been an exciting talk, dude. You really are the limitless energy guy. Your <laughs> enthusiasm and flow state, speaking of water, has not waned even a drop in this whole two hours. Totally badass. Crushing life, bro. Like, you got to come visit, man. And I mean, I know you live in a really cool place, too. But um, yeah, I, I think when you're surrounded by this many trees and and this much, uh, you know, a nature, because, you know, where we live, the closest city, like city city is six hours away. I don't know if there's many places in the United States where you can ha- be in a place like this, where you're surrounded by this much wilderness, not even, it's not like we live in the country, like where you're surrounded by farms and because with a lot of that, you're getting a lot of pesticides, you're getting a lot of human. We don't have a lot of humans here. I'm not saying I'm anti-human at all. I'm just saying that there's an energy vortex here that I think I feed off of. I mean, I've always been this way, but I think I get off even more here. So um, I hope you guys and Gordia, you know, I don't know where you are in the world, but uh, be amazing to have you at Music and Sky. I am in Arizona. So oh. my grounding is very careful. I don't do the fl- the uh, free flu, free feet, because everything's cactus here. But I do ground, but carefully. <laughs> yeah, Arizona's not that far from Cali, man. I mean, you no, it's out. really not. Dude, and Chance is going to be there. You got to, you got to come. You're going to be here. You're going to be there. I'm absolutely going to be there. Yeah. He's on the website. Go back to the website. Dude, I'm on. See this? Yeah. Show the website. And my dog are on the website. Just in case anyone didn't notice that. My dog is not coming as far as I know. I don't (laughs) think he's, he doesn't have a job. He's probably not going to be able to buy a ticket, but he is there on the website. (laughs) The gal next to you, by the way, Sophie. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I know Sophie. We, we friends. I'm oh. sorry though. Tell people who she is though. She's awesome. Been on air. So before. she's a amazing. Um, she got a PhD in uh in basically understanding like how somatics and human design in, intertwine, and they're two totally different things. But she is a, a practitioner of uh a, the healing arts of somatics, and also has a very firm understanding of human design, which is a totally trippy subject matter all into itself. If you get into human design, it's really weird where it came from. It was kind of like channeled and downloaded by this dude, but it's a whole system that kind of fits in with the Enneagram a little bit and with cosmic astrology and like your birth time and everything. I need to have her back. It's been a couple of years. So much new gravy. Oh, I didn't know she's been on your show. Yeah. Her and your Asmos came on, I think 20 early 2020. No way. So they're totally homies. Erasmus hosted the Memorial Day uh, Music and Sky that I couldn't make it at. The oh, smaller, nice. smaller one. So Erasmus will be on the site too. He's going to be doing uh, some stuff there as well. They're good friends of mine and I love them to death. They're so fun to hang out with. They'll be doing some body work and stuff, some, some somatic stuff, and then doing human design chart uh, breakdowns, which is really interesting. Did you get your human design done? I don't know my my moon star stuff but i know i'm a um it makes sense what i am i'm a manifesting generator dude all all of us are manifesting generators around here it's just like (laughs) i am too i'm never surprised when someone's like i'm a manifesting generator and we're you know having one of these gravy chats i'm like yep (laughs) we out here manifesting generating me too man awesome brother um yeah. So then, and then Ayla Cuenca, uh, she's going to be there. She's coming out from Miami and she's like an amazing natural birding uh, doula and has been on alpha cast and um, she's, I love her to death. So she's going to do an intimate um, kind of Q and a kind of 
present, not a presentation, but a talk about um, empowering women to know how to just, you know, trust in their biology and their spirit and to, um, to do natural free birthing. And all that comes with that, the spiritual side of free birthing and free birthing just basically means, and I have a couple here who actually moved up here and a little homestead who Alec, who is an artist at the music and sky last summer, who we met randomly through some friends. And now he lives up here with his wife and his beautiful three-year-old and his wife's pregnant. And she's doing a full free birth here, not even a doula or, or midwife. She's taken some courses and she's just going to pop that baby out. And um, so it's, it's really cool to see this, this sort of um, this information in a community like this and the feedback and stuff. So um, yeah, uh, Ayla's awesome. And she's coming with my friend, Kelly Brogan, um, who uh, is an amazing soul. Who's just going to come to hang out. Um, And that's the other thing about music and sky. It's cool. You're going to like, is just a lot of high powered, beautiful souls. They're just there right. That aren't even speaking or on the, on the um, list. So uh, no no NPCs in the crowd, everybody's high powered, fully realized version of themselves. Yeah, man. To call it back to the thing, obviously I don't believe in NPCs, but (laughs) Um, and then uh, sometimes there's people that weren't here at the beginning. We have some um, amazing music acts, of course, uh, which we haven't officially announced yet. We're still working out, but uh, really exciting about some of the music we're going to have there because we always have some just breathtaking music acts. People are like, where do you find these guys? And they're all conscious, sovereign, awake people too. We don't book anybody that we're going to have to tiptoe around or worry about what their, you know, uh, you know, nonsense is. Um, everybody's pretty much on the level and everybody's integrated throughout the whole weekend. Everybody camps, everybody stays there. There's no VIPs. There's no like speaker camp or anything. Any, everybody is all on the same page. That's super important to us. So there's no ego. There's no like, you know, um, I'm, I'm a special and I'm in like backstage. There's no backstage. <laughs> so box that's dodge. exactly what I'm about. That whole thing I was trying to elaborate on with the whole pedestal of the main stage and like the, Ooh, yeah. they're the famous musical artist. They're the King. You know, we're all friends here instead. I'm so excited about that part. Yeah. When I played last um, uh, event, I actually took my, the D because we did have a, an amazingly beautiful DJ booth that was all custom built uh, by Corey. Who's uh, he actually did stage design uh, or stage um, fabrication and stuff uh, in Hollywood for years for um, uh, oh God, Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice. What's his name? Um, director. Come on, Gordy. Um, Tim Burton. Tim Burton. So he's this guy. Uh, he's just an amazing artist. Um, and if you go look on our site, you can kind of see some of the stage design um, that we had actually we sold our stage to, uh, to um, uh, Burning Heart uh, to uh, uh, Desert Hearts. <laughs> um, but I've heard uh, good things about Desert Hearts, but I've never been to that one. Desert Hearts used to be a. I mean, I don't want to talk. Whatever. It's, uh, you know, that's how it always is. Like it was yeah. cool for a while. And then the more it grows, the more the parasites Dark, creep in. Darkness. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so, you know, um, I, I actually got down on the dance. I DJed on the dance floor last year, which was really fun. I put the, my decks and stuff in, on the dance floor. So I was, didn't want to be up on the, the like DJ booth stage. So I was down on the level with everybody dancing around me. And it's just so much more fun like that. So I'll probably do that again this year. It's it's a fun thing. I'm going to read a few off of the uh, quotes 
notes and jokes page on the music and sky festival. This is a fun page on here. Uh, what is half man, half beast and spends its time trying to force humans to wear masks. <laughs> the centaur for disease control. <laughs> and this one was a good one. It's kind of like a wisdom, but also funny. You can only chase what is running from you. That's nice. good. That is so good. Yeah, man. This has been super fun, Mike. Uh, Gordy, you guys have anything you want to talk about before we move towards a wrap up? Yeah, I no got rush, another question. We're kind of hitting that point. Mike, what's your, you've been into the health and fitness stuff for, a, a, I think, a lot longer than I have. Like, mm-hmm. what is your thing now? What is your, like, like, you know how we kind of go in waves of finding, like, the best thing that's really cooking for us? Like, mm-hmm. really working good, you know? Like, what's yeah. that thing right now for you? So I reread the um, Essene Gospel of Peace. And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever read that text and I've heard it's not legit. It is, you know, it's um, but anyways, it's got some great gnosis in it. Uh, And um, it really, uh, and actually shout out to Eric Cassano who brought me that book. And he's um, he uh, does the holotropic breath work uh, every year. Uh, um, So he does a whole holotropic um, journey at every music and sky, which you guys have never done. It's like literally a psychedelic journey of just using your breath where you go places it's wild so oh, anyways I've done that that's cool uh, yeah like with oh, yeah. Uh, dragon breathing and stuff like that yeah where like, yeah, yep. you're just doing mm-hmm. that and he leads you through it for like an hour and you yeah, get like the, you get like the claws and yep. <laughs> everything cool cool right so we on. do that as a group and it's we're gonna we do that kind of early in the event because it's all it's it's a good way to kind of get into the festival mode it's like going through something like that and right. not everybody does it but so anyways eric came and stayed at our house and he bought me this we, we were getting really into the scenes a lot at the last music in sky and um and so i read it and it really dawned on me that true health is here it's in uh, god you know has given it everything we need here we don't need any fancy nootropics or supplements or anything right it's it's the four elements so every day you need to get the four elements so I try to get up and I, I, I get the sun on me as much as I can, early morning mm-hmm. sun, sun gazing if I can, mm-hmm. um, or, or sunset gazing is great. You, you typically want to do it in the sunrise or sunset, not peak of the day, uh, but uh, I like to get a lot of sun in my body. Uh, water, drink. I live on the, the purest river in America. Not saying you have to do that, but clean, clean, structured, really good water super, super important. So I try to drink, you know, a fair amount of that. And I try to get in the water every day. So I, right now in the summer, it's easy. I swim in the river every day. Um, three land grounding feet, bare feet on the ground, um, uh, hands in the soil, um, Mm -hmm. you know, constantly gardening, um, and then fire. This is the really trippy one. Um, I try to limit LEDs as much as I can, uh, incandescent lights, uh, and, um, try to limit my, um, any kind of artificial lighting. So nat- natural lighting is like a natural fire, right? So also, um, uh, the way I cook my food, um, I often try to cook it over barbecue or over fire or literally, a, um, I'm working on creating a solar oven because in the gospel of peace, Jesus in that, or Yeshua says that, um, 
unleavened bread should only be cooked by the sun. And actually, when you cook something over a fire, that is not um, appropriate for how God's will was to cook food. He said the only way you should cook food is by literally by the sun, which is kind of trippy. Um, but the fire, the fourth element, is the hardest thing for a modern man to engage with on the regular because we, we're not around fires anymore. We don't have that interaction with the fire element like we used to, where we literally every night would have a fire, right? Like we'd be around a fire, warming ourselves, cooking our food, whatever. So those are the four elements that are are what make us healthy and what make us thrive. So it's super minimal. I have gone extremely minimal, even though we sell all the dopest health products. And I do, so I do do our zero point, um, mineral, uh, liquids for alpha Vedic. And I do our limit, my limit tomic, and I do one meal a day. I'm a one meal a day guy. Um, but those are, that's kind of my thing right, right now, or, or is my thing is the four elements, uh, and try to have them in the purest, most natural, organic way that that the creator has, um, you know, given us in this Garden of Eden that is supposed to be this realm that we ex- coexist on. Nice, dude. So, okay, another one more thing, if you don't mind. So meditation practice, what's mm-hmm. your, what is your focus? Like, how did you get into it? And like, which one kind of called to you? Or, or is there a technique that you specifically use so i am a um very intuitive person whatever every day is different for me in terms of the type of meditation but i'm also uh, anal in terms of my morning routine so every morning i get up i have my structured water lemon tonic with the zero points and a little bit of maple syrup that's my breakfast um and then occasionally i'll also do sometimes coffee with coconut oil and chaga mushroom <laughs> Um, but that's all I have. And then I go and I do my Qigong yoga, Kundalini. I do like a whole hybrid of Qigong, with Kundalini yoga, some yoga. And then I finish with meditation and I usually just do a mindfulness meditation. So I just try to get as empty as possible. And then I do a gratitude journal after that. And that's a form of meditation too. I do some journaling. Um, but, um, I also, I'm very in, I, I love meditating, um, doing mindful sort of work. So in the garden, this is why I haven't listened to Chance's audiobook like I should have, because I've been trying to not listen to podcasts and stuff all the time when mm-hmm. I'm doing things. Yeah. So this quite a Japanese concept. I forgot what it's called. Maybe you guys know where you're like get really good at one thing and you get super into it and it's your focus and it's like you're yeah. in the moment doing it. So that for me is my gardening. And um in not I get only it, man, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> that makes like uh I'm, I've been moving that way too, as part of why my content consumption versus output is so skewed now towards more just output, because I find, I found myself not really being drawn to constantly have the voices in my head as much as when I did a types of jobs that my heart wasn't in it. And now like my flow all day is exactly what I want to be most focused on is what I'm where I'm actually at. So not that I don't listen to things ever anymore, but and also balance. I'll say my, my morning routine too is super, it's a sacred time, man. Like uh, mm-hmm. I'm on about a month yeah. streak of at least an hour of Qigong every morning. And it's having a huge effect <laughs> to not awesome. to like be super consistent instead of most of the time. It, it's, it's really good. Yeah. And the, the other thing I do try to do eh, every now and then this is going to trigger folks, but shout off to Eric Asano is I do drink my own urine. 
So okay, that was um, going to be my next question. I'm glad you went there. Glad you went. Nope. Glad you got there on your own. You told us about this on the uh, the Interverse episode in pretty good. That's right. Too. We talked about this before. Shivambu. <laughs> the the greatest the greatest um, uh, uh, act of self love. Drink your own urine. Um, yeah, no. So, uh, that's, that's a powerful, powerful tool. And even like, you know, mainstream science shows how, why that is with the, um, the stem cells and everything in your, in your own urine. Um, uh, if you have any sort of, uh, issues in your skin, topically, uh, age urine is just powerful stuff. So, um, that's another really wonderful modality that you can look into for your own health. So everything's here, breath. Your own urine, sun, water, uh, air, the earth, like you got everything. Everybody's got everything, right? It's already, already here unless you're in the metaverse. So well, um, this is, this is the whole sovereignty idea versus, you know, natural law versus man's law kind of thing that we're supposed to have that. Like you said, you're saying that symbiosis, if we're living mindfully in every moment, and we're working with nature and because we have that mindset that we're constantly part of nature as opposed to opposing nature, which is what most everything in the, in society is telling us that there is nature and then there is us, you know, it's man versus nature as opposed to, you know, there's no, there's no version of us or them. We're all one. Like when we have the mindfulness that we are it, we're not exclusionary. We automatically, I think, you know, you're, when you're eating mindfully, your body craves the specific food that it needs. When exactly. you're, when you're uh, working mindfully, your hands will do the things that, that somebody else needs. You know, you'll find the weird ass rocks in the desert that people want that are freaking me out, but it's happening because you're mindfulness. You're out there. We're one with, with nature. Nature speaks back to us. You're going to find the kidney rocks. Right. right. Yeah. Whatever. The heart rocks. Yeah. Well, the wife came in. I think it's time uh, to call it. I forgot. I'd promised my oldest son. He's created his own tabletop game, a playoff D and D his own, his his own universe. He's created his own characters, his own rules, his own, everything and he's created the first campaign and i promised i would he would he would i would do it with him tonight so excellent if it was me i'd be begging to be allowed to play yeah <laughs> i know i'm stoked. that sounds great man you you're living the dream dude thanks guys and thanks for coming on we'll wrap up now but awesome chat tonight you guys all rule gordy thanks for calling in made it a lot more fun and mike your boundless energy enthusiasm and the results of your effort are all of the evidence anyone needs that what you're doing works and your philosophy on life is majorly full of keys and can't wait to uh, mix it up in the real life with you not too long from now, man. So I forgot to mention this somehow in the, uh, in the episode description, you'll see a link to get tickets to music and sky. If it's something you want to do and you can use the coupon code. What was it, Mike chance 50? Chance 50, yeah, for 50 Chance bucks 50, off. 50 bucks off. So I'd hope to see you guys, a lot of you there. And I'm um, really looking forward to it. Much love, Mike. Anytime you're welcome back on a Vibrant call in or we'll do a show just for you. Just let me know.
Sounds good. I'd love to um, jump on to uh, with uh, good old Gabriel too, because I love that guy. He reminds me of like an old, like an older brother I've never had. So <laughs> yeah, he's um, taking time off to be with his kiddo tonight too. So cool. much love to Gabe. That guy has some of the most interesting thoughts I've ever heard. His so, brain's wired different. I don't know. What it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mike. Have a great Thanks, night. Thanks, Gordy. Good to have you on, Thank buddy. You too, buddy. Love you, Chance. All right. Good night, everybody.